0: Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver, tire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast
1: on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN it is seven o'clock your time check brought to you by Clarkson jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler great to have you with us on a meh Tuesday so um Monday is just kind of comeback Wednesday obviously is hump day Thursday is Friday Friday is Friday there's no more meh day in the week than Tuesday
3: well Monday was the day after one of the greatest comebacks
2: uh, that's true. yes yeah. So yeah, <laughs> Monday was big. That counted. So yeah, Tuesday's just—it's always kind of meh for me. It's just there. It is. Especially
3: you're, when you're, you're kind of in between. You're coming off the weekend and then you are looking forward to Hump Day. Is that what you're saying? Looking forward to Hump Day. That, okay. It's Hump
2: Day Eve.
4: Mondays are meh. I guess you—you're right, Randy. Both days are kind of meh for me. Mondays yeah. are after a weekend if you don't get much sleep. Monday 30 gets here.
0: Pretty early. In a hurry. Yeah. yeah it's like,
2: oh. oh, right. yeah. Gotta go to work. <laughs> and guess what, Carrie? Replay gets here in a hurry too. It, 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 it clearly it does for <laughs> some <laughs> others than others. We will talk about that as we go along, especially at seven fifteen. If you didn't get an opportunity to see or hear the Cardinal game last night, it was it was interesting. Now the Cardinals did fall by a score of seven to four. It was a scoreless game, bottom of the third inning. The uh, Rockies have runners at first and third, with two out, and here is what happened.
0: He got him on an off-speed pitch. Charlie is trying to get Profar home, and he will. Excellent job by Blackman. Stayed in the rundown. Tovar scored, and the Rockies get the second run.
2: So that is not exactly the way George Kissel taught it back in the day, is uh, you're supposed to be very efficient in a rundown, and Charlie Blackman stays in a rundown long enough to allow a run to score, and it's a 2 nothing game. That is just not very good baseball.
3: No, not, not at all. I mean, it you can't just give away runs like that. It, there were so many weird things that happened last night in that game, which we'll be diving a little bit deeper into. But it was a game that I thought was a favorable matchup for the Cardinals in a lot of ways. And you had Marquez leaving the game early, so you get to their bullpen a little bit earlier than you would have. I don't, I don't know. It just felt like there was a lot of missed opportunities and misplays like that one.
2: And the Cardinals did give themselves an opportunity top of the fourth inning. Brendan Donovan leads off with a base hit to bring Alec Burleson to the plate.
5: Alec Burleson, the batter. He shoots one into the right center field gap. That's going to get down and roll to the wall. Down and around second, on his way to third, he'll be scored. Burleson around second. He's chugging for three. Hales slides in with a triple.
2: And it was a 2-2 game, but then in the bottom of the fourth inning, Colorado was able to get a couple more off of Steven Matz, the former Cardinal farmhand, Elahuris Montero, who arrived in Colorado in the Arenado trade, drives one home with a double. Trejo singled home Montero to make it 4-2. Cardinals did make it close when Goldie singled home a run in the uh, the sixth inning to make it 4-3, but then Colorado pulled away, and the only remaining highlight for the Cardinals was Jordan Walker passing Ted Williams.
6: Got to be thinking up the middle.
5: And he did just that. Got the lottery numbers, by the way. Walker has the
2: fifth Cardinal hit and a 10-game hit streak to start his big league career. He has been remarkable. He goes one for four last night, inning 342. And really the the highlight of the game for the Cardinals. Steven Matz in Colorado, five and two-thirds. And I always couch this because in Colorado, this is actually not bad. Five and two-thirds, he allowed nine runs or nine hits, six runs. He struck out four and walked a couple and was victimized by that big ballpark in Colorado. Got to be better, but at least he gave his team a chance to be in the game late.
4: Yeah, you know, I am... Randy I'm I'm one of the people that that believe you know both teams are playing in the same ballpark. Yep. So one person is pitching well which Marquez was pitching pretty well for uh the Rockies before and he Marquez he,
2: the best starter in Rockies history
4: before he went out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh I would hope that our starter could do the same thing. Just not not still not enough. Too many hits, too many walks, too many things. You know, too many guys getting on base and coming around and scoring. It was unfortunate that, uh, you know, Charlie Blackman did a great job of staying in the rundown long enough for a run to score. That's one run. You are able to tie the game up, but there are, are are things in that in that game that you just look and say, okay, if things go a little bit differently, maybe we get a chance to win that game or put ourselves in position, but it all starts with the starting pitching. You The, the number of hits, it has to come down. I, I understand the ballpark that you're playing in. I understand all of that, but you know both teams are playing in the same Mm -hmm. environment so it's not really that much of of an excuse when when you got one guy performing better than the other guy obviously that team is going to win.
3: Yeah Matt should be a lot more effective and I didn't know exactly what to expect going into this matchup and I know it's not exactly favorable for pitchers in Colorado in a lot of different ways but still he should be more effective than he is this early on and maybe you know what you do say? I guess spring training really didn't count because <laughs> right. he was fantastic yeah. during spring training. And this is a pretty significant drop-off because he's getting hit around a bit. I didn't
2: think that they hit the ball that hard. Didn't hit the ball no. out of the ballpark. I, I didn't I didn't sense that he was just getting ripped. I, I. And by the way, there were a lot of well-placed balls. I'm not saying that he was unlucky because he wasn't striking people out. And I guess that's what he's got to do. But at the same time... I, I could see the I, I could easily have seen the Cardinals winning that game last night, and the lack of timely hitting that you talked about yesterday. Brooke was again a factor, and the fact that they just don't get to a lot of balls. And, and one of the problems that you have, and you, when you have to play Brendan Donovan at first, and you're playing Gorman at second, your defense isn't going to be as good. I just I think that when this team is put together right, and I don't know if it ever will be because I don't know if fundamentally they're prepared to do that. But I think physically they have the skill set to be fine. I think
4: that was their first error of the season, right?
2: Mm-hmm. With the one that uh Gorman booted.
4: And it was a it was a I wouldn't say a tough play, but it was a play that he had to go, you know, across second base to go get it. Um the issue for me, Randy, is I'm looking at three starters, three starting pitchers this season. Matt, Michaelis, Woodford. They have given up 51 hits. They are 0 for mm-hmm. 5 in their starts. They have given up 22 earned runs. You will not win baseball games if you're giving up 51 hits and giving up no. 22 earned runs. And it's I'm prepared. not going to have. I,
2: I, I can jettison a uh, uh, Jake Woodford. He, he he can be gone. What are you going to do about Michaelis, Michaelis and Mets. They just they they just gave Michaelis an extension. And Mats is the other yeah. guy that's signed through next year. What
4: you got to stop, stop putting <laughs> got to stop putting balls on other other people's so backs. Maybe so the thing, thing to do is something else. Go out.
2: with uh, the the Blues approach here. And just tear it down. No, oh, <laughs> Randy, it's
4: ten games into the season. Well But still, they are professional athletes and they must play better. They must perform better. Otherwise, it's I told you this, I told you what my coach told me, and my coach loved me. And he said, I this is a this is for everyone. We tolerate you until we can replace you. Mm-hmm. And it's early in the season, but that is the philosophy and the mindset of coaches of upper management. They're always looking to replace you. They have a draft every year. As long as I've known, they haven't taken a year off of a draft. There's a draft every year. Mm -hmm. There's free agents every year. They are always trying to replace you. So people have to perform better. And right now, the Cardinals pitching staff is not performing particularly well. Other than Montgomery, uh, on the fence a little bit of Flaherty because he's given up too many walks. But Matts, Michaelis, and Woodford have not performed particularly well thus far.
2: No, And as you mentioned, it's relatively early in the season. I, I can go back two years, if if we can go back two years, to the Atlanta Braves being six games out. I don't think the Cardinals are six games out yet. They were six games out on June 29th and at the trade deadline they were six games out. And then they make a couple of trades, bing bang boom, they get hot. 2011 Cardinals were 10 games out in August. The uh, Washington Nationals were 19 and 31. In 2019, and baseball is not a sport now where you can look at a game or two or even a month and say, okay, that's the definition of that team because no team is what it is until we get to August now. The yeah, game has and, changed dramatically. And I said
4: 22 earned runs between three. It's actually
2: 29. Yeah.
4: They, 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 51 hits between those three, 29 earned runs. I, I don't know what you, what you want from your, your, your lineup if you're giving up that yeah. many hits and you're giving
2: up that many Just, runs. you got to be better. And maybe, uh, again, this is a different staff. Dusty Blake is a different pitching coach than Mike Maddox was. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what they are, but I'm not ready to, to bury this team either. I, I still think this team has a chance to be pretty good.
3: No, it is early on, but I think we knew going into the season that that was a lot of fans' frustrations, right, is that you didn't go out and get another starting pitcher. And I think we know this is not an elite starting rotation. I wouldn't put them in that elite category. Is there chances or have we seen possibly spurts in the spring training where, okay, maybe they have some really good stuff, but this is not an elite starting rotation. And even though this is a very small sample size, what we're saying, you do have those fair questions of, what are we doing here, and how can you fix this? Because you can't fix this. Because there is no who are you going to replace? How are you going to move guys around? You really can't. That's the situation you're in right now. And yes, Adam Wainwright will return. He'll take Woodford's spot. We know that. But other than that, this is your starting rotation moving forward.
2: Guys just have to perform better. And they were not getting a Verlander. They were not getting a Rodon. They were not getting a front of the rotation guy. If they were going to get a starter, they were going to get a sixth starter rather than a front of the rotation guy. The Cardinals will not pay a starting pitcher $40 million a year. That's just not going to happen. No. Well,
4: I mean, I I understand it to a degree because that person is only playing every five days. So that's a a large chunk of your salary cap that you're... I mean, not your salary cap, but that's a large part of your money that you're allocating to one person. Uh, But at the end of the day, you got to find... People that are good enough to perform. And I'm not saying that Matt and, and Woodford or, or Michaelis aren't good enough. I'm saying they're not performing well enough at this moment. And that has to change.
2: Yes, it does. And by the way, one of the other uh, top top of the road. To, here, we can just take a look here. Carlos Rodon hasn't pitched yet. Jacob deGrom has a 5.55, 5.59 ERA for the Rangers. So he'd fit right in here. <laughs> and verlander <laughs> hasn't pitched yet so the the three front of the rotation guys that ha, were signed as free agents during the offseason have not exactly been guys that would have helped the cardinals in 2023 to this point
3: no it's like you're just looking for any sort of reliable arm right now from that starting rotation because to your point carrie you really are kind of setting the table right Kind of the same thing with like a leadoff hitter, your starting pitcher is setting the table for everybody else. And we saw especially early on, I mean, they were not doing their part. They already put it, they're already putting you in a hole that the hitters have to find a way to get out of. And we know that the hitters are really talented with this Cardinals lineup, one through nine, but at the same time, (laughs) What that's That has to be a tough position to come into, knowing that you're constantly, game by game, having to dig yourselves out of a hole.
2: Fortunately, the Cardinals get another opportunity today. 7.40 tonight, Miles Michaelis goes against Kyle Freeland of Colorado. And of course, you can see that game on Valley Sports. Coming up, maybe some questions about the Cardinal coaching staff and manager after last night. That's next on 101 ESPN.
0: Back to the opening
1: drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
5: And does it taps it back toward the and Off the plate was Contreras. The run scores. The dog was there way, way before um, he touches home plate. And it was almost like two, two feet, like, yeah, two-step or three-step from, from home You He said never saw it, and finally,
7: we didn't have time to challenge.
2: We uh, ran out of time for the challenge, so they didn't allow us to challenge it. So you heard the base hit that scored the seventh run for the Colorado Rockies last night on a base hit by Daza. Clearly, Wilson Contreras was on the plate and then tagged also, tagged the runner. And so on both fronts, got the out, the Cardinals. Ostensibly, they should be looking at the play from the dugout. But nobody determined that they should call for a replay quickly. And you heard Ali Marwal say, yeah, we just didn't, didn't get it done in time. Here's more from Ali about running out of time. They said we ran out of time.
6: Uh, I felt like we did it right at the time expiring. But uh, obviously, they got final call on that, and we ran out of time. So therefore, we can't challenge.
2: Well, I would suggest that the umpires probably have the watch. And I would also think, guys, that that is a play that is so easy to challenge that you should never run out of time. And if it is, it's it's bad either way. Either it's managerial incompetence, or if the manager is competent, then it's managerial malpractice.
4: Well, I think. This is probably one of the instances where you worry about the pitch clock, right? You you wonder how much time because some of these things are are at the umpire's discretion whether it's a standing ovation. The umpire can give you time to do that. In a situation like this, the batter is ready, the the pitcher has the ball, it's time to play ball and if you aren't, you know, on it right now seeing that that this needs to be taken care of in terms of of calling for a challenge. It's not going to happen. my My only issue with this, Randy, I, I would have a problem. I would be up in arms if the Cardinals lost by one run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they, they lost by three. Uh, it, it, or four. It doesn't matter. I mean, it matters, but does it really matter? I, I mean, that, I think that's probably my uh, my takeaway way from the whole thing. They lost by three runs. It's not that big of a deal. Had it been a, a one run game in that moment and that was the one run that, that cost them the game, then you could be up in arms, but they still lost by three runs. So if you make it six to four, it's not that drastic of a different of a difference.
3: I'm gonna tell you it is a, it is a pretty big deal because if you don't understand the rules as a manager, then that's a problem. It also calls into question what's going on with the umpiring crew last night. This was just a missed call in many different ways. And honestly, at first, Bally didn't even address it either. And so it was kind of confusing in many different ways. But you, I saw, and I put this on my Twitter account as well, somebody had retweeted the, retweeted the um, Rockies. I guess they had kind of a video of it that was happening. And you could actually see, you were like, no, he tagged him. A hundred percent. And then you start to wonder, so what was the miscommunication here? Wilson Contreras, should he have made it a little bit more clear to Ollie? Why did Oli not challenge it in time? Because he did say, I did try to challenge. They said it wasn't in time. You know, going into the season that they're going to be a stickler for rules, right? And that is one rule that did change. And I tweeted out an article The Athletic had uh, about it last night about one of these rule changes about how much quicker it is now for managers to challenge plays and, and calls.
2: They they had the entire spring training. Now, we can, if we so desire, we can put this all on the Cardinals' video staff and on Ali Marmol, but another part of the new replay rule in 2023 is that umpires have the discretion, they can make the decision to review anything after the sixth inning. With as blatant as that call was, it seems like one of the four umpires should have seen it and they should have called for a review. If they weren't going to give it to the Cardinals because of time, all you have to do is look at the scoreboard and they could have reviewed it too. So
4: my my I guess my question would be is, did they have all of the views to see that specific angle, to see the angle that, that you posted that we saw where obviously Contreras was tagging him and whether or not his foot was on the, on the plate, matter, it didn't matter. That's one thing. Do I have all of the angles? Are those angles the first angles that I see? If that's not the first thing I see, then it's going to take me a little bit more time to decide to make that decision. And I get it. It's late in the game. Maybe you just say, okay, go ahead and challenge it regardless because it looks close enough to challenge. But I just, just, for me... The fact that it it, it was a, a run that made it three runs as opposed to a, a three-run win as opposed to a two-run win, I don't think that's that big of a deal because there were other things that took place in that game that could have put them closer to winning it. Um, but again, I need to know if there were all of the, the angles available to see that challenge. He was clearly out. And, yeah. and, and also, if you are the player in that moment, you should be raising, stumping, saying, yes. hey, I tagged him. Don't worry about it. if my foot was on the plate. I tagged him. He's out. And so, therefore, then the coach has a decision to make after that happens. And
2: here is Wilson Contreras on
4: that.
7: No, he said uh, he, he never saw the tack. Well, um, that was a tough one, and uh, I did my best. I think uh, if you watch the replay, uh, he's out.
4: Things happen. <laughs> so this is this is the, 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 the issue with uh, technology. Because when you're playing, that happens so fast. Wilson Contreras might not even realize that his glove hit him because he's so focused on having his foot on the plate, trying to make sure that he's out. He tagged him. And if he'd have known that, I hey, Ali, I tagged him. Don't worry about that part. Challenge the fact that he was tagged and he should be out.
3: Here's the thing is... Not too long ago, we had Oli Marmol call out Tyler O'Neal, saying, "You know, we we expect a certain what did he say specifically? Like we we standard standard I believe. and all that stuff. You want to see hustle, different things like that. That is something that should have been, I mean, challenged immediately. Immediately, it, it really should have. And the thing is, is you say, okay." it doesn't really matter the game. Everything every little thing does matter. Because you could you could have also argued the Tyler O'Neill situation didn't exactly matter. This is a game of momentum. Every little detail matters. And if the Cardinals are trying to play to a certain standard, the Cardinals way, then details like that do matter. That's a that's a huge miss. And yes you could say I mean, was it great by the umpiring crew? No. But there's a lot of different factors in that. Either way, Wilson probably should have, as you mentioned, should have made it a little bit more clear, and Ollie should have been a little bit quicker to challenge that. That's something that should have been challenged immediately by the Cardinals.
2: And we are a baseball fan base that has become so used to, maybe spoiled by, the crispness with which people like Whitey Herzog and Tony La Russa and Mike Schilt managed games. And we have that expectation here. And hopefully that's something that Ali and, and the staff will learn from and... Hashtag be better. Hashtag be best.
3: <laughs> be the bestest.
2: Yeah, be best.
4: Yeah.
1: Be best what, at the, the uh,
7: greatest. What was Turner, Awards, Turner Awards, uh, words? Turner words? Be, good. be good. Yeah. 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 getting gooder. Keep getting yeah. gooder. Be yep. gooder. Yeah, yeah. Gooder. They need to get gooder. Get gooder. Yeah. yeah, get
3: gooder better. Hey, it, it just it does bring up you know. It, A good point of just about the rules. This was honestly a rule that I didn't even. We were all so focused on the pitch clock and you know the the bags being bigger, all that kind of stuff that I didn't even think about this and how this would affect the game. But of course, it would be the Cardinals (laughs) that are going to be the ones who really experience the wrath of that early on.
2: And my hope is that yes, should we know it, yeah. But is it a requirement? No. Should the manager know it? Yes. Is it a requirement? Yes. So. Hopefully everybody knows now. That's our hope. Hey, if you'd like to weigh in with a mic drop, we will have mic drops coming up at 8 o'clock. Just use the 101 ESPN app and press that mic drop button. And if you'd like to discuss that play and the the lack of, of crispness, allowing the run to score on the rundown, If you'd like to weigh in on the Cardinals so far, feel free to do so, and we'll hear from you coming up at 8 o'clock. Matthew, what do you got? Randy, they're already
7: weighing in on the text line. I wanted to get this out. If Ali Marmol can't review why the pitching staff sucks so bad, then why do we
2: think he can review a play that had no outcome in the game? I think he is probably reviewing why the pitching staff sucks so bad. He just can't fix it.
7: (laughs) Yeah. You think he's going to wake up and do his job today?
3: Those are the cards that he was dealt, I guess. I'm
2: not going to go there. I'm not going to go that far with Ali Marmol. You can, but I'm not. Uh,
7: Uh, this is this is the attitude I want. Bring it to the mic drop. So this, he, this is the attitude I want. This
2: is the sky is falling. Yep. Which,
7: which team won or the or National or League or Central or last year? Um, I believe it was the dominant uh, Pittsburgh
2: Pirates, obviously ninety three win <laughs> team, and man, managed by uh, the, the Milwaukee Brewers. They hit the, they hit the crap out of the ball last year, right? Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next, we're going to talk to our friend Stan McNeil from uh, Cardinals Magazine. We do that every year during the season, or every couple of weeks during the the baseball season. Stan is next on one hundred and one ESPN.
0: The smartest way to do your homework is
2: Hackman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. peters is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants perennials and hanging baskets they also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs come visit all hackman lumber showrooms in st charles pacific and troy missouri or online at hackmanstl.com
0: you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn
1: presented by dobbs tire and auto centers a shot hammered to left. it's going back. He's going to turn.
5: the ball is off the top of the wall and gone. A J-bomb for Walker and the Cardinals. Are- Swing and a shot to center field. That's going to get down for a base hit. Late break for Arenado. He's going to score without a play. And Jordan Walker has another hit. Thinking up the middle. And he did just that. Got the lottery numbers, by the way. Walker has the fifth Cardinal hit and a 10-game hit streak to start his big league career.
2: With Brooke Cribsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN, the uh, initial edition this season of Cardinals Magazine. Issue number one has Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt on the cover, and Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine joins us now here on 101 ESPN. Stan, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, how are you guys? I'm doing good. I'm just looking back and, and I, I had uh, I, I recalled this, but I didn't have it perfect. The Cardinals have started off three and seven. Stan, I don't know if you remember this, but from September eighteenth to uh, september twenty eighth of two thousand and six, the Cardinals went three and seven.
8: Yeah, and what happened that year? Yeah, well, they won the World
1: Series. <laughs>
8: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, my my son is a huge, huge fan, and uh, he likes to text me during the games, and uh, sometimes I can just feel the anger through right through the text line, you know. And the uh, other the other day, the other day I, I had to say, you know, they haven't even played ten percent of the season yet. You know, you might need to kind of calm down or, and, and text me back. Yeah, it's probably a little early to, to be caring this much, but, uh, <laughs> but it just shows Cardinal fans, you know?
3: Well, even though it's early on in the season, I think everybody's been really impressed with Jordan Walker and what he's been able to do. I mean, with the hit last night, he was ex- able to extend his hitting streak to 10 straight games. He was the first to do that since 1912 and also set a franchise record for the Cardinals the longest streak by a player of any age to begin his career with the team what can you say about his start I mean it seems like he's just surpassing every single expectation for him
8: no you're right you know to me I would say the one thing about it he's off to a 10-game hitting streak it just doesn't seem very surprising to me you know I mean I've been following him and talking to him since uh, the Cardinals drafted him almost uh, three years ago, and it's it's so far it's just been like too good to be true with, with this young young man, you know? He's just something. So to me, it's like, uh, yeah, he's got a 10-game hitting streak, but if you look at his stats last year, the, I went out to the Arizona Fall League last fall and did a story on him, and, uh, and the research with that, I think he did not go more than two games all last year season without getting a hit so i mean it just not only does he hit the ball hard but he's just very very steady as well so uh you know obviously double a is not the major league so that uh, that stat might not hold up this year but it, to me it just showed you know and last year in the texas league I, he did not face a pitcher younger than him all season and i wonder <laughs> when, when will be the next time he does Face a picture younger than him. Yeah,
4: really, <laughs> Stan? I was wondering, do you know who you've had on the cover the most, and how long do you think it would take for Jordan Walker to to reach
8: that number? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you the next issue. Well, he'll probably be on the cover of the next issue. There so you that go. Would be, that would be his first. But no, that's a great question. It would have to be probably Albert or Wayno or Yachty. You oh. know, I want you know some some one of those. And and Wayno has been on. Several times with someone else, like we'd have Wayno and Chris Carpenter, Wayno and Michael Ya yeah, Michael Walker. so uh I'd have to count them up, but uh, that that's a great question, and yeah, how long will it take Jordan to kind of break that record?
2: Stan, we've talked about this a lot—the high quality of the Cardinal magazine—and you have a spectacular picture of Lars Newbar with Shohei Otani towards the front, end, and then a great piece on Lars and his international uh, acclaim now in the magazine. And, and that's a, a great piece. It's great to learn about Lars and what happened with his exploits with Team Japan.
8: Yeah, that was something that, uh, and you know, Lars. You guys know Lars. He's just like the, the best, the best guy out there. Practically, he's one of my, if not my my favorite. But through all that process, all that he was going on through Japan, you know, we had talked about doing a, a first-person story on his experience there, and he still found time, every, you know, to, to, to work on that. And, you know, obviously he didn't write it himself. We actually had uh, Brad Lefton. He's a St. Louis-based uh, reporter who was fluent in Japanese and covers baseball kind of major league baseball from the japanese perspective a lot and and uh brad was there you know kind of watching lars and and talking to him regularly and stuff and uh he was just amazed at uh how lars handled that the spotlight there you know for for being in such a, a strange situation or different situation and uh lars just handled it uh like a pro
3: well, somebody else who participated in the World Baseball Classic, Adam Wainwright, it's hard to believe, right, Stan, that this is his final season. Hopefully, he'll be returning soon. And he's just been such a reliable arm for the Cardinals, especially here in recent years. Is it hard to believe that this will be his final season with the Cardinals and that he's retiring?
8: You know, I haven't really gone there yet. But, <laughs> <laughs> but when you just bring that up, it's like, yeah, this time next year, we won't uh, be talking about Wain-O. We won't, uh, Will not there still be Wainwright? Wayno we Wednesdays with you guys. Will he do that uh, after he retires? You we know? hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: but yeah, Bob, no, you, you have uh, in every issue, writing and uh, and contributing. <laughs> Wayno has been he he does he does a column for us
8: uh, in the garden uh, about uh, about the Bible. He does a column for us. He's I think we're on year three of this. Uh, Wayno also did our player column that we, we run this year. The past couple of years, it's been Miles, but Wayno had a, a turn at that. And uh, yeah, Wayno's. I don't know how we'll put out a magazine without Wayno. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Stan, you said your son texts you uh, during the games, and and clearly he's he's feeling like most Cardinal fans. What are you thinking about this pitching staff so far this season?
8: You know, it's. Uh, I think the bullpen has been fine. You know, the bullpen has been has been solid. The, the, the rotation, it, it's. You know, when we talk about small sample size, it's been even smaller for the starters. You know, I mean, Jordan Montgomery, you feel like you don't feel you feel one way after his first start, but then you watch what he did as a second start and said, Okay, this is this is what we're going for. And you know, Stephen Matz hasn't had that start quite yet, but he hasn't been, you know, I don't think he's been bad or anything. So uh, the rotation is probably, I don't think that was like if you came into the season on a scale of one to 10, the rotation would be in what? seven ish right in that area. And it's probably performed at a five ish type level, I would say. So it, it's, you know, it, it's been glaring because of the record, but uh, there's been some, some bright spots in there. You know, even like Matt's had a tough, tough out. You look at his numbers and they they were tough last night, but uh, he's healthy. You know, you think about his season last year. So I, and his stuff is so good. I still think he's going to be, uh, he's going to have a good season.
2: Hey, Stan, what else are you excited about with this latest edition of Cardinal Magazine?
8: Uh, We've got uh, one thing we're doing this year is we're catching up with the 2013 Cardinals. You know, this being 10 years from that pennant season. So we started off with uh, Joe Kelly. Talked to Joe Kelly. And did you know that Joe has a book out about baseball? I did not. (laughs) Joe Kelly has written a book. And uh, so we talked about that a little bit. And, And one of the fascinating things in the book is... There's just it's basically a, a transcription of a telephone interview Joe did with Rob Manford, of all people, you know, because Joe's had a little few, few run ins with the commissioner's office in the past few years over some of this, his antics uh, in Boston and L- in L.A. But uh, last spring after during spring training. Manford went around to all the clubs and met with selected people from each team. And when he met with the White Sox, Joe was part of that group. And Joe said he went into that meeting. He was just ready to grill Manford. You know, <laughs> you know, what, you know what do you want? You do this and this. and uh, But he left, you know, after, and they talked for an hour. And he left with a, you know, like, wow, this guy, he does like baseball, you know. He's, he's, he's out to, to help the game. So when Joe Joe wrote had written an op-ed written a, a story about don't give up on baseball during the lockout because he had heard so much negativity that was picked up by the LA times. And then Joe said, he started hearing from publishers say, Hey, why don't you write a book? And so Joe said, I was planning to write one when I was retired, but if I have the offer. Why wait? So, uh, he went ahead and did it. And, uh, during that process, he said, he just, uh, picked up the phone and called Manfred and say, Hey, will you be in my book? This is, this is what we'll do. And Manfred said, yeah. So there's a, a nice, uh, Chapter in there, Rob Manford kind of talking about uh, his
2: thoughts on baseball. Great Joe Kelly feature. By the way, great frameable center spread of Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt. Hey, let me give you one other fun fact about that uh, stretch in September of 2006. Stan, and you were there uh, because we were there together. But in that 10-game stretch, the Cardinals had games where they allowed 6-6, 7-7, 6-7 and 9 runs in September of 2006, the year they won the World Series.
8: That's uh, that's a lot of runs, Randy. You're not going to win too many games. If you give up
2: six runs, and they did <laughs> like that. They didn't. They they had to wait until the playoffs started. So they they just got to turn it around. That's all. They'll We'll oh, yeah. turn it around. They're they're oh, we yeah. for now.
8: You know, I mean, look at them. They, they, the one thing is uh, <laughs> they're they're relatively healthy, right? Yeah. They haven't lost O'Neill Cruz for four months, so you know they haven't had uh, they don't have a lot of guys on the on the injury list, and then uh, Wayno's on the way back.
2: Yeah, so they'll be all right. Hey, Stan, good to talk to you. Thank you very much. And how can people get the magazine?
8: The best way is probably to go online. or go Actually, the best way is to get it at the ballpark when you're at a game. But uh, you can go online to cardinals.com slash magazine. And uh, there's some good specials right now. You can get yourself uh, with a subscription. You can get a, a Goldie uh, Nado t-shirt. So
2: Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. See ya. Sam McNeil from Cardinals Magazine with us on 101 ESPN. I am just sunshine lollipops. You really are. Right? I'm, an, I'm an optimist. You came in here. I am an optimist. <laughs>
4: you came in today with, with, with energy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what energy you, you got, but you got energy. Yeah, it's propel
2: energy. <laughs>
8: <laughs> it's propel energy. Propel you through the propel. day. <laughs> it's, here's the thing.
2: Every team is essentially going to win 60 and lose 60, and it's what you do with the other 40 that really matter. And I don't. We haven't gotten to that point yet where you worry about the other forty. Because last night wasn't a game they were going to win anyway.
4: Okay. Well, if you pitch a little bit better, you could. Yeah.
2: Just it's it's a warm weather team. It's a warm weather team. So what they'll do is kick butt, and you guys will be so happy in June, July, and August. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm ready. You'll have a lot of fun.
3: I remember Mike Schultz saying that quite a bit. It's like we're a second half team.
2: It's a weird thing. I don't know how they do it or why they do it, but they are big picture. And they've, whether it was TLR, and this is, I think it's a Mo thing, and a DeWitt thing, whether it was Tony or Mike or Mike or Ollie, this thing is set up to rock and roll in primarily August and September. And they always do. So until they don't do it, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And maybe this is the year that they only win 58 games and wind up with the first pick in the draft. Oh, wow.
3: Know. Don't, don't don't say that. You're sunshine and lollipops this morning. I'm just
2: saying that there's people out there that want him to win 58 games. Tear it down. I, I suggested that earlier. They trade are. Goldie and Arenado. They are get rid of Walker. Well, no, yeah. Walker can be your centerpiece because he's only 20. <laughs> but get rid of Goldie, Arenado, <laughs> oh, Edmond, Wainwright, Michaelis, Mats. Ah,
7: uh, yeah. You know what this team has is too many future Hall of Fame. Let's see if
2: let's see if we can catch up to the Pirates.
7: <laughs>
2: In the standings,
4: let's actually yeah. see if yeah. we can catch up to the Pirates.
2: Coming up, get your text into the air comfort service. Text line 314 399 9646. That's 314 399. Yo, ho! We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're
1: back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. I want to say something? I want to put it out there? If you like it, you can
0: take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in test 314 399 9646 And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria
1: Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing.
5: That's my final offer. Take it or leave it.
2: James Davis, Matthew Rocky, Randy Carriker. Time for Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. The Arizona Cardinals kids have the third pick in the NFL draft. And Adam Schefter reported yesterday that at least six teams have checked in with the Cardinals about trading up to number three. The Cardinals already have a quarterback in Kyler Murray, but Will Anderson, the defensive end from Alabama, is going to be there at number three. Take it or leave it, unless it's Indianapolis trading up for a quarterback, the Cardinals should not trade the pick.
4: I'll I'll take it because if it's anyone else, you don't know what they're going up for. And and I think Arizona um, is looking at at the uh, defender from from Alabama, Will Anderson. Anderson. Um, So I think that that's who they want. They would just be swapping with Indianapolis. So you know Indy is probably going after a quarterback. Um, Yeah. Anybody else? Uh, You're going to move further back in the draft. You, you you can you can really fall out of favor with the guys you're trying to draft.
2: And I know Philly has two picks there at like 10 and 31, but I wouldn't, or 10 and 30. But I, I would rather have the third pick than the 10th and 30th picks. Yes, definitely.
4: So, Randy, I don't know, Brooke, I don't know if you all saw this. Antonio Brown tweeted the other day that you know, being an owner is vastly different than being a player. He did not see or understand all of the things that went into being an owner and, and being a... How important it was to be a good teammate when you're an owner. He was just seeing it from a player's perspective. Take it or leave it, it's a little too little too little, too late. I'll take that, yeah. You probably should have learned that a
2: little bit earlier.
4: I, a while ago. Yeah. I, Six or seven years ago, yeah. maybe
2: eight. <laughs> Damn.
3: Yeah, that's good. He's coming around, though. You know, better late than never. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you have to applaud him for. Is he still rapping? Is that is that what he's doing? He's now? doing
4: rap videos in his home with one of his friends as the background dancer. Last time I saw on Instagram.
3: Oh. Oh, that's good. It's interesting. Okay. It's, it, it, it's one it's way to
4: go about it, I guess.
3: Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, take it or leave it, especially with that situation last night. I get that you want to have a lot of these rule changes to speed up the game of baseball, all that kind of stuff. But the importance should always be getting the calls right. There should be not a time limit, I believe on the replays or if there is maybe a, a tad bit longer it went from what 30 seconds to 20 seconds essentially
4: yeah I, i'll take that yeah, i'll take that i, I, I feel it, yeah. it
3: they should want to get it the biggest thing and i think that's what fans will always want is getting it right just get it mm-hmm. right
2: i i agree with it uh one other quick one after odell beckham jr signed with the ravens on sunday he and lamar jackson were out at a club together in miami Take it or leave it. The Ravens have things figured out. Uh, I'm gonna leave it. I think
4: Lamar <laughs> has things figured out. I think Lamar. Here's Randy. You now, hey, here's the thing you could think about, or that I've thought about on the way in. Odell signs a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. Lamar says, "Okay, I'll I'll, I'll play one year. Mm-hmm. Me and o, me and Odell are gonna go crazy. We're gonna have the season of all seasons, potentially work to get another MVP, and now pay me or I'm out of here for sure." Well, and, and you can make he, he can get up to 45 million dollars for this one year but Lamar if you're can.
2: the Ravens and you get the season of all seasons then you're willing to pay for it rather than the guy missing the last half of the season
4: well eh, you could have it locked in now but if he doesn't he'll be he'll be an unrestricted free agent. I don't think they can tag him twice well, yeah, he, twice in a row only twice like Kirk Cousins
2: was tagged twice he was tagged twice
4: yeah. I, would, I would if I were Lamar I would sign a deal a one year deal and say hey this is my you're not tagging me again we'll put that in the contract I'll yeah. sign for what you want me to sign, and we'll go. Me and Odell are gonna go out here and go crazy. That'd be fun.
2: Yeah, and it'd be nice to see Odell come back and it would do that. Yes. All right, Matthew. What do we got on the text line? Take it or leave it. O'Neill
7: should have called out Ali's lack of hustle for not re- reviewing a clear out before the clock <laughs> was <laughs> <totally> take it. <laughs> I'm oh, gonna God. leave that <laughs> what if you want to keep your
4: job.
3: Randy wants chaos. That's what he's wanting. Randy he wants chaos. Like chaos. And yeah. chaos in the clubhouse, don't you? I
2: do. Yeah. Hey, he didn't get me into the game until uh, I pinch it. Come on, I got to be in quicker than that. Hustle, hustle, Holly.
7: <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will be like the 2019 Blues. Great team on paper, worst team in the standings. Big stretch run, beat up on people in the postseason. Take it.
2: Ooh. I'm gonna. I'm Dang gonna, gonna be. They won't be in last place midway through the season. Though. <laughs> I'm gonna like, the, the
7: Cardinals are in last place in June.
2: Oh man, people's heads are going to explode. I was like, like
7: will, yeah. are buildings going to like fall off their end? Like, are buildings <laughs> going to start crumbling within St. Louis? Just like shockingly. Like, oh yeah, hey, I thought that was a building there. Nope. Cardinals lost three out of four and it just, you know, <laughs> it crumbled. Just, just completely fit. just fell to the ground. Take it or leave it, after 30 at bats and 13 men left on base, it's time to take Contreras out of the five hole.
4: I'll take that. Really? Sure. Where do you want to put him at? Six. Who are you going to put know. at five?
2: Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker. And Easy. He's number two. Squeezy.
4: You're gonna leave you can leave Burleson, Carlson, Carlson, New yeah. or whomever's yeah. in left field.
2: Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I got this email the other day. A study has shown, and this is a, a big <laughs> time analysis, uh that Cardinal fans are the third worst spellers <laughs> in the MLB online community. What, what words were they did they spell wrong? Uh, uh they have some problems. <laughs> I, uh, they, I looked at they it I forgot. Smarty, smarty pants, smarty pants. bona fide uh, uncoached recommend definitely acquire peace. I get I get definitely. Uh, no most seventh most likely to use the words old school and dear.
1: I, I, I have an old issue school.
2: There's a little squiggly
4: line, a red line when something is misspelled. and when people text, tweet, or even email, Messages and they just bypass. Like it's optional. Like the Mm -hmm. little squiggly red line is not optional. It's telling you that something is spelled wrong. It's not just (laughs) for for show, people. It's It's a it's a red squiggly line. It's under it's under each misspelled word. Take heed to it. And click on it and figure it'll, it'll actually correct the word for you if you click on it. It's Come amazing that. what I, technology is done. I will
3: say, I get, and now I can announce my conspiracy theory about Twitter. <laughs> so this is my conspiracy theory about Twitter because I've noticed, and other writers have pointed this out too, that there... It seems like it there's no autocorrect or autocorrect is not correctly working for Twitter. That's because Twitter wants you to pay for that feature True. where mm. it will correct that for you. I think that Elon Musk and his crazy SpaceX people are messing with <laughs> Twitter in that way so that you will go buy that blue check mark for that extra feature to oh, sense. have correct spelling.
2: Makes sense. By the way, the Just my conspiracy The room, worst spelling fan bases in MLB, Dodgers are the worst, Blue Jays are the, the second Bears. worst, Cardinals third worst. The best spellers among MLB fans, uh, according to the report, are the Braves. The Royals fans are the second best spellers. The Reds fans and the Washington Nationals mm-hmm. are the third and fourth best spellers.
7: See, the fact that the Royals got that high, that does the same state well we, the thing we is you only have like you have 15
2: <laughs> people right everybody else is writing about Mahomes. Uh, there you go they're, 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 they're online i mean you, what do you have 15 20 royals fans that are online
7: yeah and i, and I give
2: <laughs> L- and i give la At and toronto a
7: pass half their fans are, you know english is a second language it's a great point i mean that i'm, I'm not holding that to their, that level come on now uh take it or leave it going out to breakfast and having a good meal is more satisfying than a good dinner
4: Ooh,
2: this I is will. Great. Th- I that will take thing. that. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm time. not a
7: big breakfast guy, breakfast. but when I go out and
4: eat breakfast, mm-hmm. so like oh, breakfast at any time of the day is better than 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 nothing. Like breakfast at dinner is. Yeah, it's look, awesome. It, it's the best thing ever.
2: Guys, I totally underutilize the great breakfast places in town, too. Oh. Like, I've heard the, the Chris's over by the uh, Slough Law School is great. Oh, okay, There's God. another Chris's, right?
7: It's yeah, right there on um, Watson and uh, Hampton down in the city.
2: Yeah.
3: I don't think I've been to it. I like oh, oh, Buzz's incredible. Hawaiian. I love Hawaiian food. Mm-hmm. They have, like, a traditional Hawaiian breakfast, and it is amazing. Pineapple? Yes, they do have pineapple in. stuff, but they have but they have other things as well that are that it's really really good.
7: This actually reminds me. Over the weekend, I was I was at a at, at an event that had a buffet for breakfast, and that means that there at one point there was just entire trays of bacon, and at, at, I didn't get a whole plate full of bacon, but. Darn near close. Is there such <laughs> much thing as That's too impressive. much bacon? Is there so much thing as too impressive. much bacon in that situation, Randy? Uh, take it or leave. There's no such thing as too much bacon. I don't think there's. There take a, that. I don't think there's okay. such yeah. thing. Texas, Texas the right?
2: Gingham's. That's over in St. Charles. That's 24 yeah. hours, right? Is it? Oh, it's it I really? Think it is, yeah, gingham's? best breakfast in the area. I've driven past that plenty of times. I've never even known what right it was. Yeah, locally owned and operated. Really? Yeah, they're really good.
3: Gingham's. Yeah. I'm more
2: of a. Cursey Diner. No. Original Pancake mean. House gets some love here in Chesterfield. I go to our good friends at first
4: watch often. First watches I go, watch I go is so famous. much that uh, people in, in on Mere Rivers know me by name. Hey <laughs> Gary, hey Mr. Davis, hey you want your normal seat? Yeah, yeah. Please. If someone's in there, yeah, and move.
2: The carry out from First Watch is always accurate, always hot, and always delicious. They do a fantastic job. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yes. So
7: the Shack has this like platter that like shack. gives you like chicken biscuits. Yes. I I am uh, also a uh,
2: honeybees in Kirkwood gets props here on the the text
3: line. Oh, that yeah, they is that the one with the giant biscuits? I think.
2: I haven't
4: been there. We uh, Waffle House is a staple in most communities.
2: But that's usually a that's two a late three a.m. Yeah. type of deal. I didn't know the Shack did breakfast. I guess. Oh, the yeah, shack. the Shack. I'm thinking yes. the Corner Pub. Yeah, Shack is great too. Yes. Okay, so there you go. We've talked a lot of breakfast here. So that was a good text here. I am. I'm one one. ESPN. So hungry. Feed
3: right us. Now. <laughs> Coming up.
2: <laughs> yeah, Matthew is hungry. So if you're close, if you're close, first watch across the street. Uh, you feel free to drop some stuff by. You. The best,
9: spectacular
2: pancakes. Uncle Bill's also. Uncle nice. Bill's is Never Denny's? No.
7: Have some courage.
2: IHOP IHOP is sensational. IHOP
4: is awesome. Yep. I haven't had Denny's in about 15 years. If you're thinking about going to Denny's,
7: have some courage, learn how to fight, and just go to Waffle House (laughs) instead. (laughs) There you go.
2: Coming up, we want your mic drops on that failed replay last night. The fact that they didn't even have a replay. That's next here on our Fresh Take. You are our Fresh Take on 101 ESPN back
0: to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN
1: presented by Dobbs tire and auto centers
0: a fresh perspective on the day's top stories it's the opening drives fresh take
1: brought to you by schnooks rewards reward yourself earn 2 percent back on every purchase with the schnooks rewards app
6: We've already changed the rules of baseball by shortening the games and altering the rules for people, aka fans with short attention spans, who are constantly in the mindset of win, 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 win. win we're impatient. Well, that's what you get now.
2: Oh yeah, there, there is definitely a desire to have people, younger people, who almost by definition have shorter attention spans become part of baseball. And that's fine. That, that, that's part of what you need to do now to attract youngsters. By the way, did you guys see last night the Rays game? And they are 10 and 0. Or are they 11 and 0 on the season? 10-0, I believe. Yeah. They uh their game lasted, let me get it for you. I believe it was 206, a 1-0 game against the Red Sox. Oh my god. Red Sox don't play 206 games. Yeah, time of game. 206. Two minutes and six two hours and yeah. six minutes
3: that's so fast yeah
2: that's amazing but here's the thing I have no problem with there being a, a more compressed time to call for a replay 15 seconds should be plenty I think now 30 seconds was the rule before I don't know if Ollie was aware of that but 15 seconds we all saw it on TV, right? And mm-hmm. if you're seeing it from the dugout, you should see it from the dugout. You should be able to call for it right away. And if your catcher calls for it right away, give your catcher the benefit of the doubt.
3: Well, and that's where you kind of wonder. And I saw somebody text us and, You know, if it was Yachty, would he have done a better job of making it a little bit clear? And these are two people who are still kind of figuring each other out, right? I mean, Wilson Contreras said that he knew that he tagged the guy. I would think that you would bring a little bit more attention to it, but it does kind of beg that question of, is this a rule that maybe needs to be modified? Or is this an instance of you should have challenged quicker? You should have kind of hustled, I guess I should say, hustled a little mm-hmm. bit quicker to challenge that. I,
2: I'm fine with the the alacrity of the sport, and I'm fine with them them baseball requiring teams to, to work faster and not lollygag because you know what happens if you do lollygag, that makes you, by definition, a lollygagger.
1: Oh
3: no! And you don't <laughs> want to be that. So this is the this is the new time restrictions and on the replay review. Once the manager alerts the umpire to a potential challenge, the umpire his hand will initiate. Yes, will have to lift up his hand. The umpire will initiate a fifteen-second timer. The manager must then decide whether to challenge the call on the field before that timer reaches zero. And Ollie said that he thought he did it in enough time, and that it, he was like, what, a second off. Mm-hmm.
2: And the umpire has to watch.
4: Well, I mean, if you don't get the, I mean, it's there's timers in, in pretty much all sports. Mm-hmm. If you don't make the time, if you get a shot off with 0.0 seconds left, you're not gonna it's not gonna count. So, I mean. Do I think it could have gone differently? Yes, I think that, but I also think that Wilson Contreras could have been more adamant in saying, hey, I tagged him, let's challenge this. We don't need, I don't need you to 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 go through all of the video. Trust me on this one. And I think that, I, it reminds me of Draymond Green. When Dre says, challenge this play, Steve Kerr generally mm-hmm. says, okay, I trust you in this situation. Mm-hmm. It's either, you're either correct or, or it's close enough to, we need to challenge it, I don't necessarily need to, to look at the video. All of that comes with relationships and knowing one another and trusting one another. And I'm sure if this situation arises again later in the season, you'll have that challenge taken care of much quicker.
2: Kerry, that's the key, because that run made it 7-3, wound up being a 7-4 game, and you said it earlier. Because it was a 7-4 game, it really wasn't a big deal. The right. most salient point here is that hopefully this was a learning experience yes. for Ollie and Wilson and the entire Cardinal dugout.
3: Well, and the thing is that I think that kind of makes this feel a little bit more heightened is the timing of everything, right? Because you have that Tyler o- O'Neill situation mm-hmm. that happened not too long ago, obviously. We're, we're barely into the season. And so then once you have that situation happen with O'Neal where it was grabbing national headlines, then you're under a harsher microscope, right? The team, the manager, everybody involved. And so every little detail seems like it it matters even more because of that whole situation and how it blew up. I also I wrote you guys this morning a beautiful poem. Yes, oh. and we need
2: to hear it. a, I a beautiful did, I did not poem hear this
3: okay. At first, I said haiku, and I forgot that haiku is only three lines. So I, I'm—I haven't five, written haiku. Is, it, is it haiku five seven five? Is that right? <laughs> is it five seven? I don't know. Yeah, yeah five Either way, seven, I, seven, I haven't seven, so seven, done one of those since <laughs> elementary school. So bear with me here. Okay, bird is not the word. Time is the word for the Cardinals early into the season. Lack of timely hitting. How little of time the Cardinals' pitchers are spending on the mound, the time of Tyler O'Neill's speed when he was thrown out at home. Now, the big discussion will be the timing was the timing off for Olimar Mall and the Cardinals to correctly challenge the umps Monday night in Colorado?
2: You need to start doing a book. Just small
4: poems.
3: Small, small itty bitty poems. Just poems. Just Don't ask me to poems. do any more of them. No more? <laughs> We don't have any more? No. Okay. But it made me. It just made me think about how— It is time. I mean, we're so early in the season, but it seems like there's so many things about the timing of everything. We kind of knew that going into the season with a pitch clock, but then you're starting to see all these other little things pop up.
4: I think the the important thing also in in regards to time is we there's still a lot of time left. That is—I'm going to add that line. Yeah, there's I'm add a lot line. of time left in <laughs> the season. There's a lot of time left to, to get things corrected. But you have to get them corrected, and and you you gotta you. You could also say the time could be running out on the pitching staff on some of these pitchers, <laughs> if they are. We, we time is
2: the theme of the day. Later bird,
3: on, bird is not the word. Time is the time word. is the word. I love it.
2: <laughs> Later on in the show, Mike Claiborne is going to join us. We're also in the nine o'clock hour. We're going to visit with Nick Garner. He is the collective CEO for Mizzou as they try to get. Ahead of everybody in terms of NIL, the Blues only have two games left. Not much time left for our Blues, and Darren Pang is going to join us coming up next to talk about a little post-mortem for your St. Louis Blues next on 101 ESPN.
0: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: I'm Davis, Randy Herricker, and we move now to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our friend Darren Pang is standing by. Only two games left for your St. Louis Blues this season. And Pang will be busy
9: come playoff time. time. Pang, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, uh, Randy. How's the uh, award-winning gang doing this morning?
2: Everybody's doing great here. We are wondering about how Brucey's doing with the warm weather. i got to believe that Brucey's a happy
9: guy oh, right now. Happy, happy little camper um, you know, finally going out there, not shivering like you read about. Um, knows too that the uh, that the that the uh, the seasons, you know, coming close to an end, and he's going to be going to his little little uh, humble abode uh, in Michigan soon. He can run around and and go in the water and pretend like he's a he's a dog fisherman. Uh, yeah, so I think he's all excited about that. And I, you know, what I think I'm excited about that as well. The weather's getting great. Uh, should be hitting. Uh, Meadowbrook Country Club on Friday afternoon when I finish uh, this game tomorrow night in Calgary and, and get a break before the playoffs start.
2: Okay, I was going to ask you about the golf because that's a that's a big thing if we're missing the playoffs. But you are going to be doing playoff hockey too.
9: I am, yeah, with, uh, with TNT, <clears throat> as I did last year. Last year was a, uh, a fun ride that first round because, you know, doing the Blues and the Minnesota Wild on Valley Sports and, and then diving in every other day going to do another game. So that was you know, it's exhilarating. It's, it's what it's all about. You, you get that energy up, you get the playoff series, and especially when you get into games like two, three, and four of a playoff series, then you really get the storyline. So, yeah, we'll be starting at TNT um, in the first round. ESPN, TNT, uh, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, we'll be, inter- like, we'll all be doing games up until we get to the Stanley Cup final, and then we TNT will have the uh, Stanley Cup final. And, w- and what's going to be really cool is, is uh, Gretz, uh, Wayne Gretzky is going to be on the on the panel uh, for the final, wherever it is. So, in whatever city the fa- the the panel will be there, and and I think that's going to be a lot of fun for viewers to have. Uh, you know, to have Wayne's perspective for the entire Stanley Cup final.
4: Panger, you uh, you obviously the Blues season is going to be done here shortly. How does that feel for you uh, as a as a broadcaster for them? And and how should the Blues players feel about how this season really went? The the entire
9: season. Well, I guess number one, I think. You know, for us as as broadcasters, you know, it just ends, and we knew that we weren't doing the final two games, tomorrow night's games on TNT at home, and and then ESPN's carrying the Thursday game, and so we we knew, uh, you know, our last home game, and then we knew our last game in Minnesota. So uh, that is actually, you know, it's kind of a sad day. We're not used to not doing the playoffs, the first round, and so I uh, carry for our entire production staff, and for John Kelly and I, and uh, you know, we're. It was kind of like, man, this just ended, and and it was it was sad um, for the players. It's got to be the same feeling. I mean, there's there's no. I mean, I played hockey from a from an early age. You, your goal isn't to not make the playoffs. Your goal is to win. And e- even when that's ingrained into you at an early age, when it acts, actually happens and you're not in the playoffs, it's it's a bad feeling. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping and I'm sure it is because I know these guys very well, especially the guys that have been through the Stanley Cup. You know, championship and being in the playoffs since then and having a chance to win. Even last year, this, this team thought they could absolutely could win the Stanley Cup last year. And then going into this year, expectations were still high after a hundred and what nine point season last year. So, um, it's got to be disappointing. It's got to be a kick in the gut for them, actually, Kerry. And, and that's the only way that you, they should be feeling because it's disappointing when you don't make the playoffs.
3: Well, Penger, just kind of piggybacking off of that, you know, you do have a close relationship with the players and the coaching staff as well. What have you heard from them about, you know, how they're feeling looking ahead to next season? And you think it's kind of changed recently, especially with them playing pretty well down the stretch?
9: Yeah, it's it's hard to tell, Brooke. Uh, You know, like the one thing is, are we, you know, do you get fooled by the end of the year when there's no pressure on you? Um, Is this the team we're going to see starting out next year? The, you know, there, there's been some real positives. I mean, it's been really, um, you know, when you when you move, when you move really good players and, and trade them at the deadline or prior to the deadline. Honestly, you don't expect to get such good players coming back. I mean, you know, we, we've seen some of the skill of Varana and what he has. Now he has to take his game to another level, in my opinion. He's got good hands and good instincts, and he can clearly score goals. Um, but you know the blues play an overall game and and, and so coming into next year you know that's going to be something that that he needs to work on as he did in Washington and Detroit and then you know like kapanen has got a good spirit about him I've really enjoyed it so those are two guys with good skill level they can move around the ice they can skate so a lot of times when you empty the cupboard, you don't get players like that back. So I think that's a big, big positive and a big bonus coming back for next year.
4: Frank, you talked about the, the goal as athletes is to obviously win your last game, and that's in the playoffs. This team struggled a couple of nights ago against the, the Wild, giving up shorthanded goals and, and just not playing particularly well. When you're in a season like this where it's not going in the manner you want to, how do these guys continue to stay focused with these last two games, knowing that, you know, potentially your your job could be on the line for the for the next season or, or coming seasons
9: oh it, it is difficult I tell you what I, I think even as a broadcaster carry it's difficult to keep your focus <laughs> i'll be honest with you you know because there's sometimes you're you're watching the plays and you're watching you know maybe some decisions that are made and you just want to jump out of the broadcast booth and then and, and go you know splat on the ice and say what is what is going on out here but at the same time you have to you know they're they're they are they are I mean let's face it they there's human beings that the the thing that triggers sports or triggers a lot of passions in life not just sports but it's that it's it's just that that desire and that concentration and that uh, that eagerness to be all for one you know that carry i mean if you know that if not if if everyone's not pulling on the same rope you can feel it and and certainly at the end of the year I'm sure there's some guys that don't want to get hurt. I mean, you got an off season. Maybe some guys are going to play in the World Championships, which I'm sure there's a couple of uh, Blues players uh, that are going to get that knock on the door to be able to go represent their country, um, as well as in this, you know, United States players and Finland and Sweden and you know the drill and Czechos players. So I think that uh, you know there's still some motivation at the end. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you don't want to look beside you and 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 not give it what you've got because somebody else might get hurt or, or you, or you show your, you don't want to show those kind of colors to be, for me, I think just play to the very end to the final whistle. And especially for tomorrow night's game against Dallas on home ice, the blues fans have been unbelievably committed to this team um, come hell or high water. And I give them a lot of credit for that. And so I think the blues better laid out on the line tomorrow night and play their best hockey, uh, you know, to give them something to cheer about as well and to, to make the end of the season on home ice a, a positive part of it.
2: Hey, Panger, as we close down on the regular season, I want to ask you about the Bruins, because four years ago, Tampa Bay, they had 21 points more than the number 2 team, and they get swept in the first round. And after the dust settled, you look at it and you say, okay, well, they, they really weren't that gritty. And then the next year, obviously, they add Maroon and Coleman and Goodrow, and they, they added some playoff grit. To me, I, I want to see if you agree with this, I think Boston has – that grit. I would be much more surprised if this Boston team would lose in the playoffs than that particular Tampa Bay team.
9: That's a great point. I I think that um you know the kind of players that Boston has that Tampa Bay traded for the next year are the Trent Fredericks, you know, the Felinos, um, the AJ Greers, you know, yeah, they've they've got some they do have some some grit and some gumption on that team. Um I think you can If you're a Boston Bruin, or if you're just a fan of the game of hockey, which I am, I I watch the game and I watch the way they play. I think they can win any way you want them to play. You want to play a finesse game, a rush game, they can win that game. You want to play a gritty cycle game down low. You want to play a dump and chase it game, you can do that too. I mean, I think they are just an outstanding team. The only thing that's going to get them, uh, boy, maybe a hot goaltender at the other side. Maybe right now if they play the New York Islanders, I think the Islanders will give them a fit. I really do. I think they will make it very difficult. They're systematic. They got big D. Um, they don't give you very much, and they frustrate the heck out of you. So, uh, but, but other than that, I, I think the Boston Bruins are just a, an excellent team. I'd be, I'd be disappointed if they didn't get to the conference final, and I know they would too because they've really laid it on the line. And Jimmy Montgomery, he deserves a lot of credit, but I think it's a well-oiled machine even before Jimmy Montgomery, to be honest with you. And it starts with Patrice Bergeron. He's just mm-hmm. one of the great leaders that's ever played the game.
3: Well, Panger, there was a video I was watching that the Blues put out. I think it was yesterday or the day before. And you kind of just flexed on everybody because <laughs> the, the video was asking every player, like, who's the most famous person you have in your contacts on your phone? And you just casually <laughs> FaceTime Charles Barkley.
9: <laughs> well, you know, I think the players were probably being humble. They probably, you know, I'm sure Braden Shen's got a load of... Uh, of, of top echelon people outside the game of hockey in his phone. But uh, I thought that was a lot of fun when, um, when Chris Pinkert asked me uh, if I, if I wouldn't mind calling somebody and I'm uh, honest to goodness, I was thinking of a, a lot of different people and most of my friends are hockey people. They're, they're hall of fame hockey players or others at, that are players. And then I'm thinking, man, it was masters weekend. I, I uh, Freddie couples and I do keep in touch. And I'm thinking if I could just get Freddie couples and I'm thinking He's just finishing his round at Augusta at the Masters. I don't think he's going to pick up the phone. And then I'm thinking Charles Barkley, who doesn't love Charles Barkley. And sure enough, doesn't he pick up? He's just finishing getting on his makeup and he, and, and he's, he's a king of the FaceTime too. So I loved it. It was very, it's very humbling to know that Charles Barkley picks up the phone, but it tells you exactly what kind of guy he is. So I thought that was a great segment by the blues. And it was a lot of fun for me as well. I, 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 uh, I, I enjoy that. I think the blues have done a great job with their content and, keeping things funny and, you know, and and just relevant uh, during the course of the season.
2: And you can find that at stlblues.com. Panger, have a great stretch run here. We'll be tuned in for your Calgary game tomorrow night, and we will uh, be enjoying your work during the playoffs, and hopefully we'll be able to catch up during the playoffs.
9: Yeah, that sounds great. Thanks a lot, guys, and it's been a really enjoyable... Uh season, and um, glad to be a part of it. Thank you. Thank you
2: very much. Darren Pang, Blues Analyst with Bally Sports Midwest, joining us as he does every Tuesday here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a fight. Do we need a fighter, Matthew? Are we good? We're good in the fighter department. So we've got a fighter, and that means we have a fight coming up. We, oh, we need a fighter. Okay. So that's what we have to do then. Get a fighter. Uh, that would mean that you need to text in the word fight to 314-399-9646, 314 399 Yo If you'd like to fight me, just text in the word fight and maybe Matthew will pick you today here on 101 ESPN.
1: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight corner
0: average Joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive please welcome Randy Carricker
4: welcome back to the opening drive I'm Kerry Davis joined by Brooke Grimsley and it is time for the fight and our fighter today is Jeremy Jeremy how you doing I'm great, Kerry. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Mega As ready as I'll ever be. All right, here we go. Only two players in NBA history have put up fifty point game put up a fifty point game in the title clinching game of the NBA Finals. Bob Pettit with the Hawks in 1958, and which recent Finals MVP is it? Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, or Giannis Antetokounmpo?
7: Um, let's go with. Uh...
4: I'm sorry. The first person again? Kawhi Michael Leonard, LeBron. Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, or Giannis?
2: And the final? Um, let's just go with uh, let's go with Giannis.
3: Which current Cardinal holds the active lead for home runs against the San Francisco Giants with 33? Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, or Wilson Contreras? Ah,
7: the time do. San Francisco, let's go, Arenado.
4: After winning the NBA assist title this season, this season, James Harden has become the second player in NBA history to lead the league in points and assists with multiple teams. Which active guard is the only other player to achieve that feat? Is it Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, or Stephen Curry? Uh,
7: Westbrook. No, no, I'm sorry. Not final. I'm going to go with Steph.
3: The 2000 Cardinals set an MLB record with 25 homers in their first 10 games. Who led the Cardinals in home runs that season with 42? Ray Lankford, Mark McGuire, or Jim Edmonds?
2: What season was that?
3: The 2000 Cardinals set an MLB record with 25 homers in their first 10 games. Who led the Cardinals in home runs that season with 42?
7: Uh, Jimmy Edmonds. All right, we'll double check our score and bring in Randy Carricker. Jeremy, how you feeling? Oh, not too great. Basketball is not my best. Not, not
8: but too. Not. Yeah, you had
4: two basketball questions. That makes it <laughs> makes it a little tough, doesn't it?
8: That's all right. I got I got demolished last time
4: I
2: was on here, so oh. maybe I can do better than that.
4: Well, you might be in in good in in good shape. Randy came in empty-handed, maybe for the first time. Ever. I, I finished my bone line. in his hand.
2: I finished my banana and I finished my propel.
4: You got another propel Randy, got another lined up? Propel ready to All go. right, he's oh, got it coming out of his, his bag. He's, he's ready to, he's ready to <laughs> roll.
8: Yeah.
2: All right, Randy, you ready to go? Say hello. I'm ready. Say hello to Jeremy. Jeremy, how are you, sir? good, Randy. How are you doing this morning? Doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it.
4: Thank you. All right, Renny, here we go. Only two players in NBA history have put up a 50-point game in the title-clinching game of the NBA Finals. Bob Pettit with the Hawks in 1958, and which recent Finals MVP?
2: I want 50 Nuggets. <laughs> right? I think it was Giannis. He, he, didn't he go to Chick-fil-A the next day? Yeah. I, uh, I want not 49, not 51, <laughs> 50. Right? I think Giannis. That's your answer? Yeah. Ready.
3: Which current cardinal holds the active lead for home runs against the San Francisco Giants with thirty-three?
2: Thirty-three home runs against the Giants. It'd have to be obviously one of the former NL West guys. And I think this is all of baseball, or just the Cardinals. The,
3: uh, Which current, 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 cardinal current cardinal has the most holds home the runs active. against? The yes, lead.
2: I think I'm going to go with Goldie here. I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt.
4: After winning the NBA assist title this season, James Harden has become the second player in NBA history to lead the league in points and assists multiple times. Which active guard is the only player to achieve that feat?
2: First of all, I'm really surprised that James Harden led the league in assists. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Multiple times. Yeah. Pretty interesting. (laughs) I, I would think that Russell Westbrook would be the guy. Because he obviously had a lot of assists when he was playing for both Oklahoma City and uh, with Houston. Uh, so I, and he did obviously score a lot of he was getting triple doubles.
3: <laughs>
2: so I'm, I'm going to go with Russell Westbrook, and he's played for a lot of teams.
3: The 2000 Cardinals Cardinals set an MLB record with 25 homers in their first 10 games. Who led the Cardinals in home runs that season with 42?
2: This is our 2000 Redbirds.
3: 2000 Cardinals set an MLB record with 25 homers in their first 10 games. I
2: would believe that would be Jimmy Baseball, Jim Edmonds that hit 42 in 2000.
7: For the third fight in a row, we have a tie, so we must go to a tiebreaker. And, Jeremy, here are the rules. I will read the question. We will give Randy a moment to write down his answer. We will then give you a chance to answer the question. We'll then give Randy's answer audibly. And then whoever is closest to the pin wins this edition of the fight. Jeremy, do you understand those rules? Yes, sir. Randy, do you have a piece of paper ready? I do. All right. The logo, Jerry West, holds the all-time career record for points scored in the NBA Finals. Across his 55 Finals games played, how many points did Jerry West score? Hmm. Across his 55 Finals games played, how many points did Jerry West score? It's the all-time record for career in the Finals. Randy Carriker, please write down your answer.
2: Hold on here. I'll go... uh... Hold on. I'm bad at math, as you know. No, it's understandable. 55 games, right?
7: 55 games, sir, yes.
2: Okay. Okay.
7: Okay, Randy Carricker has his guess. Jeremy, what is your guess, sir? I'm going to say
8: 1475. Wow, that is
7: a close guess. Randy Carricker, your guess is? 1328. And that means that we do, in fact, have a winner in today's fight. Ring that
0: bell. The winner and new champion of the fight,
1: Average Joe Listener. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? And
7: there it is, Jeremy, congratulations, a 3-3 tie into a tiebreaker, and the win there, Jerry West, by the way, he scored 1,679 points, 30.5 per game. Jeremy, you were about 140 closer than Randy was, so congratulations, you win this instance of the fight.
5: Awesome, thanks, guys. There it is. There Damn it is. Him. And
7: let's go through those questions. We'll see where one of them, where each person got one wrong. The current cardinal that holds the active lead for home runs against the San Francisco Giants is Nolan Arenado with those thirty-three. Only two players in NBA history have put up fifty-point games in title clinch in the title clinching game of an NBA Finals. Bob Pettit and he won those fifty chicken nuggets. In fact, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And after winning the NBA title assist this se- assist title this season, James Harden became the second player in NBA history to lead the league in points and assists multiple times. It is of course Russell. Westbrook the only other player to do it and the 2000 Cardinals set an MLB record with 25 homers in their first 10 games Jim Edmonds led the team with 42 homers throughout that whole season Mark McGuire second behind him with 35 a 3-3 tie took us to the tiebreaker question which Jeremy did get right about Jerry West so Jeremy thank you so much for joining the fight today we will talk to you tomorrow
2: Awesome thanks you guys have a great day You too thank Thank you Wow. That's Jeremy on 101 ESPN coming up our rush hour reset we'll get some of your mic drops about the Cardinals loss last night and the the problem with the replay that's next on 101 ESPN You're back to the Opening Drive
0: podcast on 101 ESPN
1: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers
0: It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset.
1: Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf.
2: Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Carrie Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Mike Claiborne is here in studio. He'll join us momentarily. And last night, the Cardinals lose 7-4 in Colorado. And one of the more notable aspects of the game was the seventh run that was scored by the Rockies as Wilson Contreras clearly tagged the runner at home plate, but there was no replay called for by the Cardinals. We do have some mic drops that we want to get to that you have provided us. Let's start with Lisa, who joins us here on 101 ESPN.
1: This pitching staff, as everyone knows, is not that good. I don't think it's as bad as it's showing, but it's not that good anyway. So what plays behind them is even more important than on a a big stud pitching staff. So when they can't get a rundown right, a rundown, when they're playing Gorman as hard as he's tried, he's not a natural second baseman. He's not. When you're putting O'Neill in center field and he's scared of a pulled hamstring, I mean, all these things add up. They all add up.
2: They do. And maybe on that play, the Cardinals would have been better off playing a guy like Brendan Donovan at second and Gorman at first.
4: I thought I, I I I thought maybe Gorman couldn't play first base and that's why they put him mm-hmm. at second. That that was when I saw the lineup and I saw that Goldschmidt was DHing and and Brendan Donovan is at first. I was a little bit perturbed by that because I, I thought Brendan Donovan has done a fantastic job at second base so far this season. The team had had zero errors up until uh, yesterday. So I I'm I am. I was a little shocked and, and caught off guard by that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You still gotta make the play. And and Charlie Blackman did a very good job of understanding the situation, not getting tagged out, not putting himself in a position uh, to be tagged and allowing the runner to score uh, before he was
2: before he was put out. So. Yeah, and I would suggest that with all due respect that this is not a great pitching staff, but it's not a terrible pitching staff either. It's just it's just there. It's kind of it's pretty average. Is it, is it like a Tuesday? Yeah, exactly. Can't yeah. kind of
3: A Tuesday yeah. pitching but, staff.
2: <laughs> I, I would say that there's probably, of the 30 teams, uh, this pitching staff I'd probably rather have than at least 15 of them.
3: Is that including really? when Adam White returns? Yes.
2: But that, that includes now, too. I mean, you'd rather have this group than Pittsburgh's group. You'd rather have this group than Cincinnati's group. You'd rather have it than Oakland's group, right?
3: Well, and here's here's the thing about looking forward, too, is the Cardinals are in a situation where, OK, say that they do need to go out and get some starting pitching. It's going to cost you a pretty penny. And, oh, by the way, you have Jordan Montgomery right there, too. And he's done pretty well to start the season, too. So it's not now that you didn't sign him prior to the season starting. He's going to be looking for some cash, too, because he is a yep. Scott Boris client yep. as well.
2: No doubt. Let's hear another mic drop from John, who joins us on 101 ESPN
8: i think
3: we have to start off with
8: the fact that Ali Marmol has managed less than 200 games in the majors and in st louis we've had red and whitey and joe and tony larusa oh by the way joe and whitey and tony larusa were all fired at least once in their career um Marmol is struggling right now with the aspects of being a Major League Baseball manager. Hmm.
2: I, I, I don't know about that. I think the job of the Major League Baseball manager has changed mm-hmm. over the last 15 years the, from what Tony La Russa was. And by the way, here in St. Louis, if, if you look at the Mets with Buck Showalter, if you look mm-hmm. at the Guardians with with uh, Tito Francona, if you look at the Braves, those people are all managing games. But they're very good teams, the Dodgers being one of them, the Giants being one of them, where it's a collaboration rather than the manager actually being in charge of the entire on-field situation. And the Cardinals are more of a collaborative unit than having a manager that runs the game by himself.
4: Here's why I... I do not put so much credit into what coaches, managers, what their job is. Ali uh, didn't pitch any pitches in that first game where Miles Michaelis gave up ten hits. Ali didn't get up to bat when the Cardinals walked the bases loaded and didn't score a run a couple of days ago in Milwaukee. The players have to do their job. Ali has not thrown one pitch. He is not. He is not t- taking one at bat. There are times where runners are on where they're not getting the job done. All I can do as a coach is put you in the position mm-hmm. to do your job and do it at your best ability. Now, is it his fault that they didn't get the runner out at at uh, Charlie Blackman out in the rundown? I don't think that that's his fault either. Do you want to complain about the potential tag at home with Wilson Contreras and saying he didn't manage to get the uh, the the review done in time? Sure. I don't think six to four is a better score and in, in, in close to winning than seven to four is. I don't know that you win the game because of that one run. But there are multiple things that take place in a game that fall in the lap of the players. The manager, the coach, just puts you in the position. You, as a player, have
2: to go out and do your job. And I will not blame Ali, for example, for having Donovan at first. And by the way, Donovan's probably a better first baseman and second baseman than Gorman is. And Gorman has more experience at second than he does at first. So that's not a huge issue. I look more at things happen fast down there. Mm -hmm. And... Look at last year's first playoff game when Ryan Helsley showed that he just didn't have it that day and things just got out of hand in a big hurry and they weren't able to slow things down in that yeah. dugout for whatever reason. And that happens because, you, as John said, he's managed less than 200 games. He just doesn't have that experience that allows it to slow down. And then you do have, like many teams... A kind of a script that happens before the game starts. It's the the proverbial 2 o'clock meeting, and there are things that are decided, especially from a pitching perspective, well before 7 o'clock.
3: Yes. I mean, either way, I think the point that they were making is there should have been a challenge sooner. Whether that's something that Wilson Contreras and Ali Marmal work out, Wilson making it a little bit more clear. Ollie knowing the time, these new rules about how, I mean, you're talking about how quick things happen. Now you have 15 seconds to react once your hand comes up. There needs to be something that happens a little bit quicker. And of course, there is going to be learning lessons. I think we live in a microwave society where we want results now. This is Ollie Marmal's sophomore season as a manager. So there are going to be all these changes and you throw the rule changes in that too. There's going to be some a learning curve, just like you would with a player.
2: That is Brooke. That is Kerry. I'm Randy coming up. Mike Claiborne joins us here in studio, our buddy from clavesonline.com and the Cardinal broadcasts. And we'll hear what he thinks of this situation next on 101 ESPN.
0: You're back to the opening drive
1: podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Bou joins us as he does every Tuesday and he is in studio we always love having our guy in us in studio good to see you, man It's better to be seen in view good to be here. Good to it really be here. is and you were explaining to me why you didn't make a Denver trip and I totally well, get it you know what I think it's a beautiful city mm-hmm. but you
10: know the weather is so dicey at this time of the year you'd rather say you know what there'll be another time that'll be you know it'll be more important so a little warmer uh, a little warmer yeah. you know I've been out there when it was snowing And, you know, they were like, oh, we're going to play. Oh,
2: oh, we are? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
10: You know something I don't know. But it's a great town. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll see them in postseason. One of the the great
2: things about that Cardinal equipment staff is that they're willing to share the big coats. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what?
10: That's the thing. Like, their job is so much harder because they have to haul so much more equipment now than they used to, like a third jersey. You know, you mm-hmm. play out in uh, on Saturday, that Victory Blue. You have to take all of that. Hmm. Our equipment staff might be as good as anybody. They've been together for a long time. Uh, they're very well organized, and uh, we're very fortunate because I, I think that's one of the hardest jobs in sports.
2: No doubt. And the best guys, too. The, the, the Cardinals, over the years, have whether it was Buddy Bates or Rip Brock Brock Jackman all the yeah. way to Butch yeah whose Money. last game by the way was the 1982 World Series game 7 uh, he oh, he, really? he ended on a championship yeah That's right yeah yeah and uh, so yeah they they've just had a great group over the years and and uh, Mark, Mark Walsh, Walsh and his and his staff Andy now and are and incredible Everybody they they do a phenomenal job yeah uh so what did you think of last night Michael
10: Well it was different <laughs> I, guess, I think we can start with that. Uh, I like that. You said something earlier. That game kind of got out of hand so quickly that I think, you know, you're kind of looking around like, wait a minute, did that just happen? And we saw something that I had I have seen even in spring training. They were a little sloppy. Mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
10: You know, defensively, they were really good in the spring. I mean, the errors that I saw and even the mental errors were from guys who were wearing 94 on their back. I mean, the the regulars were really sharp and you know, one of the things about Ali Marmo and his staff, they are, they are detailed people. I mean, even in the workouts and the drills, they are very detailed. They're, they try and prepare for virtually everything. But every now and then, you're going to have a night like that. And there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. But, but turn the page because you know you're better than what, what you saw last night. So, you know what, you'll learn from it and you move on.
3: So what did you make of the seventh inning, especially we got to see that new rule int- implemented with how quickly things mm-hmm. can go, especially with the replay situation. What did you think? Because, I, n- I mean, watching Valley, they didn't have the greatest I think replay we, of that. I,
10: I think that you make a good point. We didn't have a replay. And, you know, MLB has, when you go to New York, they've got a room, I think they threw like $50 million in it. And you get a chance to, they let you come up and you can sit in a seat and they let you do dial up the replay. And you realize how quick it is. And I think that maybe they, somebody didn't remember, we got a shorter fuse here to work with. Uh, Chad Blair does a phenomenal job. He's our video coordinator. And, I mean, he is so on those things. But, you know, it, it, things happen so quickly. And, you know, you have to give the umpires credit, too. I mean, they, they are doing a really good job implementing these rules to the letter. But I just think, again, it was one of those things that got away. And I'm sure they talked about it afterwards and said, all right, now we know. Uh, and we'll be better next time. Cleves, what are your thoughts about the starting pitching so far? Well, if we can get one to get to the seventh inning, I'd really like it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been – it's a head-scratcher. But when you look around baseball, with the exception of Sandy Alcantara, who apparently thinks this is July, where he had a, <laughs> a, a complete game, three-hitter the yeah. other night in less than two hours, everybody else is struggling. And, you know, it's amazing how this pitch count gets so high so quick. mm mm-hmm. I mean, you had a guy last night who had 92 pitches in less than five innings right. or less than six innings. I mean, we've seen guys that had 92 pitches and weren't, weren't, they weren't even out of breath right. in the eighth inning. I, I don't know where this has come from other than the fact that guys are good at fouling balls off. You have guys who really want to bear down on the strikeout. And, you know, when you have a defense like the Cardinals, man, let them hit it. You know, there's a good chance somebody's going to catch it. Mm-hmm. Now, in that ballpark, that, that's a huge yeah. ballpark. A lot of real estate to cover. So you play a little differently defensively. But, you know, the the concern is that we burn up a lot of pitches early. You know, we have a lot of 20, 25 pitch innings. And all of a sudden it adds up. But we've got to get some people to the seventh inning. If not,
2: this bullpen will be done by, by Mother's Day. And Mike, to because your they, point. Because they're pitching too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You remember... Joe Coleman, the pitchers would say, the only thing he ever said, he was a Joe Torrey's pitching coach for Joe's first couple of years here, he'd walk out to the mound, he'd say, trust your stuff. And, and then turn yeah. around and walk back. And, yeah, <laughs> just and just trust, trust your stuff. Yeah. That was it. But I, I look at Flaherty, who gets first pitch strikes, gets mm-hmm. guys 1-2, 0-2, and then he doesn't try to bury him in the zone. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, and I think that's not just to him. I think Miles Michaelis has that problem well and I don't know I know you're trying to get guys out on balls but I think they're going overboard I, I agree I think that we
10: love to see a guy chase a bad pitch hey just throw a strike that he can't hit mm-hmm. you know I mean that that works also because once you start trying to get him to chase something and this, this chase rate is, is a newfangled analytic that everybody is obsessed with um, everybody wants to see a guy chase a pitch out of the zone hey listen Throwing one down and away or down and in, and either he's going to foul it off or miss it. Mm-hmm. And if you can catch a corner, you're going to be all right.
2: And like right. you said, even if even if you get a little too much of the
10: plate, trust your defense. Exactly. I mean, because remember, if he gets, if it catches just enough of the plate and he hits it, he's going to hit it off the end of the bat. It's not going to create damage, and that's the thing you just want to stay away from. You throw a middle in, now you're asking for it. But if you throw a middle a middle away. He's reaching for it. He's going to hit it off the end of the bat and it's going to probably be a slow roller to somebody on the infield.
3: Yeah. So what, what do you think about how you can kind of right this ship with the starting rotation moving forward? Because look, I mean, we, this is the big thing. You have your frustrations, but what are you going to do? You can't move guys yeah. around. This is the starting rotation that you have.
10: This is the card you've been dealt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what, Brooke? I think you probably talk about it a little bit more amongst guys and just see, you know, you can watch all the video you want. But I think guys have to have a mindset on what the approach is going to be. You know, do we scale it back where we don't need guys chasing? Let's, let's let them put it in play. or uh, Do we still keep pounding the low part of the strike zone? Now, with that, you better make sure you have an umpire who understands the low part of the strike zone. And, and I think what we've seen, not just with the Cardinals, but with some other pitchers, if they don't get that low strike, and I'll give you a good example, Dakota Hudson. He could not get that low strike from umpires, so what did he do? Bring it up. And what happens? He gets hit. Or it's a walk. And we see other guys that do that. Uh, and if you have umpires who don't give you that pitch, and like with with Flaherty, he's got a really tight slider that has real late action on it. And umpires will give up on that pitch, as do hitters. But it's a strike when it's all said and done, but they've given up on it. Oh, that's a ball. Mm-hmm. And when you don't get that pitch, I always talk about what your plan B is going to be. Because if you're not getting that pitch, do you stay with it? Or do you try and come up with something that you don't have confidence in? Because the, the problem with a lot of pitchers, if you don't have convictions with that pitch you're going to throw, it's probably not going to end well for you. Because yeah. if you don't want to throw it, then you just half-ass throw it, then it's going to go a long way. Claves, you talked
4: about approach. And one person's approach that has been pretty good this year so far is Jordan Walker. What have you seen from this young man? And how much longer do I have to watch him batting in the 7th and 8th hole? I, I'm, I'm tired of it already. I'm sick of that already. You want to set the ballpark on fire? Hey, let's right? move him okay. up, man.
10: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a good question. I think if you were struggling more in the top of the order, you probably okay. would give him a look. Because I always thought, I said, "Man, what a great number two hitter he'd be, hitting, mm-hmm. hitting hittin in front of Goldschmidt.
2: Yes, mm, danger in the tool.
10: There you go. And then if you get a good base runner on ba- on base in front of him, guess what? He's going to see a lot more fastballs mm-hmm. for a guy who's hitting breaking balls, unlike anybody I've ever seen at that age. That's what you normally get guys out with, right? And he's like, "Oh, I can wait for it." Yep. Yeah, I don't have to. I don't. You know, he's so he's so confident, not in an arrogant way. He's so confident that he can catch a fastball that he doesn't even worry about that. You know, most people say, you know, look for the fastball first and yeah. then adjust. He's like, "Oh, I already have that figured out. I'm going to yeah. try and work on something down <laughs> and then or down and away." And and he's and the fact that he hits line drives. Yes. You know, he's not that guy that has that light tower power where he goes mm-hmm. a mile high in the air because he's got that great uppercut swing. He's hitting he's staying down on the hitting line drives and that's what's fascinating when you when you watch him play. Kind
2: of the, the it, there's no comp here but in the way the ball travels like you're talking about it, like Jack Clark. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Jack Clark was a
10: line drive hitter. Uh but you just don't see it because, you know what, I don't think they teach it like that anymore. You know, when it's you all go launch to these, angle, right? Yeah, launch angle. And, you know, they have a guru for just about everybody now. Every American, there's a hitting instructor for you somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen <laughs> it like this before. And everybody's got a video or YouTube or TikTok. And, of course, you have parents who think, you know, they can, they can teach you. I, I'll yep. tell you a quick story about a parent. The name, the player should go nameless because he plays. (laughs) Bill Madeline. You remember Mad Dog? Mm -hmm. Three-time batting champion. The guy struck out one year like 28 times. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy could flat out rake. So he's giving hitting instructions to this guy, right? Good player. His dad is there with him, and every time Mad Dog would tell him, well, you know, you want to do this, you want to do it, then his dad would jump in. So Mad Dog had about enough of this, right? <laughs> so he says to him, he said, hey, listen, you know, when this is over, why, why don't we figure out a night where we can have dinner at each other's house? And, and the parent was like, well, oh, okay. Any particular reason why? He said, yeah, because I want you to come to my house and see my, my, my batting champion trophies. <laughs> and then we'll come to your house and see how many you have.
5: <laughs>
10: so needless to say, uh, that relationship ended. But everybody thinks they can do it. Yes. And unfortunately, they can't. I, I deal with that often. I, I'm sure you do. I have sure a lot do. of
4: people. Yeah. Yeah, I told my kids I, I, I read a book, Football for Dummies. That's how I got this head coaching job. So <laughs> yeah. you know, now you read it twice. That's read, why they made it, your head it, there coach, you head you coach. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. that, I know
2: how it works. Uh huh. Claims, 2019, April 6th. Seventh and eighth. Dodgers at Colorado, the game times were 3.52 in the first oh. game, 3.19 in the second game, 3.52 in the third game. Last night, the Cardinals and Rockies play a game that lasts two, minute, two hours and 16 minutes. Love it. It's unbelievable it. what this pitch clock has done.
1: I
10: think it's the greatest innovation in sports. When you think about rules that have been implemented in different sports, I mean, I, I think the only th- other rule. Is when they move the hash marks in in football, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because Bob Hayes was killing every cornerback out there. When they had, when they let him go out to the wide side of the field, there wasn't a cornerback alive other than Night Train Lane that could have stopped Bob Hayes. So they were like, "Well, we don't have any other corner. Let's move the hash marks in mm-hmm. and create a balanced field." That's the only other rule I think in sports has had such an impact on the game. Uh, this this pitch clock is the greatest thing ever for me. I love it. I it- mean, because the games are crisp, everybody's focused. Uh, and you got to play. I think the games have been much easier to watch mm-hmm. from an efficiency standpoint where the games aren't sloppy and you don't even have to be a good team. I mean, you know, even the bad teams look better. And I, mm-hmm. I, I just think it's been great. Uh, I know there's still some that fight it. And they can go in a corner and fight by themselves as far as I'm concerned because I think this thing has been great for the game.
2: We have more with Mike Claiborne. As a matter of fact, Mike and Kerry are going to tell us why the Warriors are going to win the NBA championship. <laughs> and more next on 101 ESPN. You're
1: back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: Mike Clayborn joining us in studio here on 101 ESPN. Uh, Vince Gill Vince is over there. Yeah, you go. Talking right. about the Eagles and their new tour. I, I think
10: he has been the ultimate <laughs> lifesaver for that
2: band. With the the passing yeah. of Glenn yeah. Frey a few years Plus, ago, he
10: can he can play man. He's a really good guitar player. Very versatile. I. Uh, he's, yeah, I, I really enjoy watching.
2: I'm glad that you've been out to catch some music. Oh, yeah. And Man, I'm, I'm... We'll, we'll get the word out there right now to the powers that be here at 101 ESPN. Mike Clayborn needs a couple of Eric Clapton tickets, and we'll work on that
10: Never for Never know you. when I'm going to see him again. You know, when these guys, they get to an age where, you, you know, they walk away from it, mm-hmm. and then they realize they can make a lot more money, and they come back. So <laughs> I, you know. And, you know, when you get to a certain age, and Kerry and Brooke, you guys aren't there yet, but when you get over 50, everybody's younger. For instance, when Prince Philip passed last last year, he's only 99. Oh my goodness! <laughs> it must have been something wrong with him. Right? Yeah, he couldn't have been,
2: you know couldn't age. I mean, you know. So
10: I'm kind of like that person. So I I enjoy watching the seniors perform uh, because I don't see anything on the horizon that attracts me as much.
2: They can they can do it absolutely.
3: No, there's not there's not any new age artists that you like.
10: See, I love musicians who can flat out play and mm. without the technical enhancements that we have mm. today. And yeah. and that's what separates the great musicians from what we see. And I'm not saying there aren't some guys out there who can play, but you know, all of these guys, there's so many things that can trick up a band uh, to the point where you're saying, well, he's really, he's really not playing as well as maybe such and such. So, um, you got somebody you want me to check out?
3: Leon Bridges. Okay. And Chris Stapleton. Oh, Those Chris are like Stapleton. Two are my yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's yeah. legit. That's our yeah. guy. Yeah. He's country but I That's mean right. he I like is really good. Yeah, no, yeah. he can
10: play. No, I agree with you on that one. And what's the other guy?
3: Leon Bridges. Leon
10: Bridges. All really, right. Really,
3: really good. He also came here. I think over to that out um it's part of Centene Community Ice Center. They like actually like turned that mm-hmm. into a concert The amphitheater, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he came and performed there. It was amazing.
2: All good right. Know.
10: Duly noted. Yes, on my list.
2: All right, we have two Golden State Warrior fans here. I know there's a lot of Laker fans listening. <laughs> so I I, missed...
10: I'm originally a Laker fan,
2: and I have a card, but I put my card on hi- hiatus <laughs> <laughs> until until they do something with uh,
10: their general manager, the guy who got Magic Palinka, yeah, Rob Palinka. I remember him when he was playing in Michigan. Uh, that's a mess. It's a collection of players. There's no real future. They've fought, they've you know given up their draft choices. They made some bad free agent signings. Uh, It's just not. It's not my Lakers of old.
4: Most people. I I got family in L.A. I got friends that are are lifelong Laker fans, Mm -hmm. and they can't watch this. Version it's hard for me to watch the Lakers man. because of what you just said. Yeah. It's not, it's not what they grew up on. No. It's not the the eighties, the nineties, the early two thousand Lakers where you had homegrown talent. You had guys that were drafted well, there. Well, if you made a trade, it was a good one. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was guys that you really thought were were Lakers. Yeah, and exactly. It's it's much different now.
2: Well, you know what? I, part of it is, and I didn't even realize this, and I know that uh, the the HBO. Doc, when the HBO miniseries was accurate in that it is a mom and pop operation. Yep, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not like this big corporate situation. No, and best families
10: prob- kept this thing. Yeah, remember when Jeannie got rid of her brother? Yeah, yeah right. He,
8: he <laughs> let me tell you something. He almost ran that
10: thing off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. He, he was a disaster, and she got rid of him, and she came back. And man, I, don't, I don't know. It, it's it's hard for me to to deal with them. So I move up the road a little bit and here come the (laughs) Golden State Warriors, who who to me feature, in my opinion, the most influential basketball player of our time, Mm, Stephen Curry. And here's why. When you watch the college basketball games today, you would never have thought about a guy taking a thirty five foot jump shot. Yep. Okay? You never thought about guys who handle the ball like he like he does, that be a Curry and the impact he's had on guys less than six foot five. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anybody else, because you know, you can say there's more people who would aspire to be Stephen Curry than LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Because of, you know, we don't know that many people that are six foot eight and two hundred and seventy pounds. They can right. run over people. But I know a lot of guys that are six foot two, six foot three, six foot four who have decided, I'm going to learn how to shoot a jump shot. Yes. I'm going to learn how to make an entry pass. From a fundamental standpoint, he's had the most impact on the game of basketball at all levels.
4: I think it would be three players that come to mind. Michael Jordan, yeah. Allen Iverson, Which with with how he carried himself and, and really changed. Yeah. They changed the culture of By how way, caring, people dress. You about dribbling, too? Because <laughs> he was carrying it. He was <laughs> pawing it <laughs> virtually every time. And, and, and Steph Curry. I think those three people yeah. really have, have changed the landscape of basketball as we know it and and steph as you said one of the greatest players to to play the game and Potentially has they have in my opinion the best track to go and make it to the I Western Conference Finals yeah. and potentially to the finals.
2: And by the way, you have a young son, so you watch kids practice, and uh, that's one thing. It you, drives you, me you, crazy. You,
10: but, but you, <laughs> that's the
2: one thing is is, people, that,
10: is that daddy or daddy coach talking?
4: about. Yeah. That, here that's, that's Coach yeah. Davis. Okay. I had to tell my son the difference when we get to practice. I'm Coach
2: Davis. Don't call me dad. But kids can practice what Steph did. you, you, couldn't, yes, yeah, you know, you're right. Michael and, and, and Iverson were cultural changers, yeah. so kids could dress like those guys. Yeah. But in terms of playing the game, th- kids can try to play the game like Steph. Mm-hmm. You, and like you said, you couldn't try to play the game like Shaq or like, yeah. like uh, LeBron. But now we're going to see uh, the, this generation, the, the, this generation that's coming to college now and the one and dones we're going to see so many thirty-five foot three three tries. Yeah. It's going to be, and they're going to hit them. That's yeah. the difference. That,
10: that's because you know there was a time when you say no, 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 great shot. You yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> now you have coaches that now have they condone it. Who was the guy from uh, in the tournament who said, "Well, we practice that play all the time." Remember when he hit that one just inside the timeline? No, uh,
4: yeah. um, I, I know. he's exactly. I can't. I can't. Can I say-
10: I Maybe can't it was Kansas say. Yeah. Yeah, way. Yeah. He yeah. said, so we practice that all the yeah. time. Yeah, You know, that was a time if you tried that shot in practice, you start running laps. <laughs> right. Yeah. you just start running. You know, let you uh, think about why you took that shot. Even if it went in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Don't try this at home is yeah. what they used to say. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, Claves, uh, we got a couple of minutes left. I want you, my two partners here are kind of on the ledge, ready to jump. Mm-hmm. You and I have seen some bad starts. We've seen some bad. Oh, finishes. Yeah, I was yeah, here. Yeah. I, I want to give you some stats. You you remember September of '06? But I'll, I, I I love these stats because it ju- it just brings back good memories. September of 19th to 28th, 2006, the World Champion Cardinals. Oh man, yeah, they go two and eight, and they had games in that ten game stretch where they allowed six, six, seven, seven, six, seven, and nine runs. Uh, let me tell you, I remember that. Remember we went to Houston. You mm-hmm. just got overrun.
10: Yeah. Okay. Thumped. I'm saying to myself, okay, I can start planning a vacation now. Yep. <laughs> and, and I learned my lesson because I planned a vacation and then we get in on the last day. And now I said, well, we got to play San Diego. They got Jake Peavy going. they pretty good team.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
10: Okay. I, I, I'm going I'm to write it in pencil. Then all of a sudden, we beat them, and then we go to New York. And I'm like, Bellyard oh, man, makes a play. Beltran, and he kills us no matter what uniform he's in. And then all of a sudden, you know, he looks at that curveball from Adam, Adam Wainwright, and I'm like,
7: you know, I think we're going to the World Series. <laughs> I think I'm going to just cancel
10: everything. And I didn't go on vacation until November. It was the best decision. So every year— I got a whole month of October and early November I just leave open. Just J- yeah. you,
2: you never know. T- Tony had the greatest line before they played the Mets. He said, "We're dealing with Beltron who's 11 for 10 against us." <laughs>
8: <laughs> this guy
10: he he just murdered the Cardinals. Man. It was it was you know, when you think about cardinal killers, he stands at the top of the list. There's been some other guys over the years. But for some reason, he just did it in such an elegant manner. It was like, oh, yeah. yes, I'm going to hit him the three-run home. <laughs> be so nice about it. What what a fascinating and what a good player. Hall of Fame worthy, in my opinion. I so, know he got jammed up on that other stuff, but they put some other guys in that probably did even worse. But just an elegant gentleman when mm-hmm. he was the Cardinal and uh, just one of my favorite players.
2: What do we got on Cleves online right now?
10: Oh, we have Rick Hummel. He came out with a new column on What's Up with the Cardinals. You want to check that out? Uh, you know, we've got this thing called a two man game with uh, Matt Rocky over mm-hmm. here and Bob Ramsey. They'll be getting the NBA season up and running, the postseason. Uh, you know, Joe Roderick and I do our thing every Monday. We could lunch with Claves and Joe. And. Um, We got a few other things we'll try and get slip in during the course of the week. Start talking about the draft a little bit, as if anybody cares in St. Louis about the draft. Um, So (laughs) we have Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So uh, those are some of the things we have, but we do a whole lot of baseball coverage. And the commission I'll have a podcast on Thursday that will drop as well.
2: Looking forward to it.
10: Thank you, Michael. Great to see everybody. Have a great uh, and you guys. It's gonna be okay. All right, don't worry. We're, we're Only holding in you know. April.
3: Okay, yes. we'll we'll keep it in part. Wait until
10: June 14th, Flag <laughs> Day. If you, if you start to see me sweat, <laughs> it's on. Yeah. all. Yeah. Right. Fifty-one <laughs>
4: hits by three starters and twenty-nine earned runs.
10: Carry. Put the numbers in your pocket, okay. bro. Don't worry about you it. Stuff it away yeah. and keep hey, it there until. until just, I'm until here. It. I'm here to help. Okay. It'll be okay. All
2: right. Two numbers, one and seven. John Tudor did it. Chris Carpenter did it. And the Cardinals went to the World Series. Both you right. and you started off 1-7. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to Nick Garner. He is the CEO of the Every True Tiger Foundation as the Tigers try to improve their NIL space. Nick is next on 101 ESPN.
0: You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101
1: ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
2: With Rick Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. And we all know the letters in sports now, NIL. They stand for name, image, likeness that players are able to benefit from when they are college athletes. And Mizzou is no exception. They're trying to enhance their NIL Spot in the, in the pecking order, and Nick Garner from the Every True Tiger Foundation, and you can just go to everytruetiger.org to learn more. Nick Garner is the CEO of Every True Tiger and joins us here in studio. Nick, good to see us. Gia, yeah, thanks for having me. I, guys, I know but... it's good to, for you to see us too. <laughs>
6: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Excited, uh, excited to be here this morning. Okay, uh,
2: this is uh, there's so much to NIL. But tell us something that we probably don't know about NIL in terms of how it works with a university, whether you're involved with the university, how players get money. What's something that you hear a lot that you say, no, that's wrong?
6: Yeah, well, I think the. Probably the biggest misnomer is probably what's actually happening when you talk about dollars and cents going into the pockets of of players around the country. I think that's the part that people read things and they see the big millions of dollars that are going into NIL. I don't think that's the real core to NIL. The real core is really creating opportunities that are Just your everyday opportunity to receive compensation for your name, image, and likeness. And I think the numbers are overblown. So what you probably don't know is the reality of the impact that it can make on a student athlete, not just in the way that you think that it's money that these kids can go buy a BMW or whatever. Those are just the those are the small pieces, not the, the real story of what's happening.
4: Nick, you said you've been in college athletics for 20 dealing with college athletes for 20 years. How has NIL changed the landscape of college sports with with what's going on right now?
6: Well, I mean, as you know, we talked about it a little bit before we came on is that it's the the change that can happen in an individual's experience, the college experience mm-hmm. that they have. Right. Mostly, you know, for Ever, these athletes were on campus they're working you know 40 hours a week in the gym or in the weight room or what all that work that they're putting in in the classroom they're keeping their grades up they're traveling they're getting tutors they're doing all these things all representing the university on the front of their jersey receiving nothing for mm-hmm. it and so i think what i've seen is the impact that it can really truly make in a kid's life and and you know fairness to them and what they're doing for the university, creating opportunities that they didn't once have. And it isn't about just, like I said, it's not the overblown piece. It's, hey, now they actually might have a little bit of money in their pocket to get mom and dad to come see them play. Yeah. You know, things like that.
3: Well, and we know how competitive the SEC is. And how much more competitive does this help Mizzou when it comes yeah. to recruiting and bringing in players and keeping players?
6: I think it helps them a ton. I think this is NIL, one of the unique parts is that it does – almost somewhat level the playing field right for years it's been a lot of the the alabamas in football the kentuckys in basketball those were the the real people that they got the top recruits they you know it was it was hard to keep that that playing field level but now i think in the sec in particular it allows an opportunity to remain competitive and really it's about when those kids come on campus to know at mizzou that hey there's an opportunity here not only can i go to mizzou a great school Um, that competes in a great conference. But I've got opportunities where my name, image, and likeness has value. I'm going to be able to create opportunity.
4: Is there any fear with the NIL that these players will become professionals as opposed to being collegiate athletes?
6: Yeah, I think there's always that talk, you know, of, you know, should the are they going to become professionals? Are they going to become employees? Does Mm -hmm. that change uh, the game a little bit? I think that's the evolving part of NIL that I think is still – to still to be known, right? We Mm -hmm. I think we're probably, if you ask me, I think we're probably twenty-four to thirty-six months away from really what NIL will be. And, you know, at some point that, you know, this is a new space, but the market will be established, I think, in twenty four to thirty-six months, we'll know exactly what it is. We'll know what the school's involvements are, what the collective's involvements are. Things like that, but it, it seems like things are changing by the day.
4: Are there any discussions to put any guidelines or parameters on how the NIL works? A kid like Quinn Ewers comes to mind, who, you know, went to uh, went to Ohio State for a year, got a million dollars, and transferred to Texas. That's are right. there are there any uh, <laughs> any <laughs> yeah. guidelines coming up for that?
6: Well, I, I think there's always things that are are probably discussed and talked about, and I think you know things that probably need to be addressed more than NIL is probably the transfer portal mm-hmm. guidelines. Mm-hmm. I think that probably needs to be a little bit tighter, but I'll tell you how we do it at Mizzou that I think makes it unique and what we're trying to do to build it to prevent things like the Quinn Ewers example is, you know, our contracts with players, we we do them on a monthly basis Okay, so that if that happens where a kid, you know, decides that he's going to go into the portal or transfer – that we're no longer obligated to fulfill a, an agreement with them at that point. So I think it keeps us, because that's a great example of mm-hmm. something we had to look out for and say, hey, how can we prevent that from happening?
2: Nick Garner from the Every True Tiger Foundation, and you have a terrific staff of former Mizzou athletes, Lawrence Bowers and and Bud Sasser. And one of the things that you mentioned to me as we walked through the door here is that an individual or a business can make the choice to make a real
6: impact on a, an athletic program at the University of Missouri. That's right. Yeah, I think this is something that's really unique, Randy. That you know wasn't the case ever before. Any donations that are made to the schools, they typically will go. Uh, to capital campaigns, they're going to buildings that are going up. They're going to facility upgrades, things like that. They're going to general scholarship funds. This is really an opportunity where businesses, individuals, they can contribute and be a part of the collective or EverTrue Tiger Foundation or our you know business side EverTrue Tiger brands, and they can actually select the program. That they want to make an impact in so you could go through and say you could be a a women's golf fan and say hey i i want to make an impact there on some of the student athletes that are in the women's golf program and you can select that program, and your contribution goes directly to that program.
4: Does it go? Can that can that company design uh, decide who, in particular, which player they wanted actually to go to, as opposed to the entire basketball team? Can they pick mm-hmm. one player off that team and say, "I want the money to go to this person"? If you go the
6: corporate side, so if you if if the business says, "Absolutely, I want to go with Sky Slode, who's a women's golfer at Mizzou, and I want her to represent my brand," mm-hmm. absolutely. If it's more of an individual basis, the closest you can get really is to go to the program and just, you know, encourage, hey, this donation, we want this to go to women's golf or we want this to go to gymnastics or volleyball or whatever the case on an individual donation basis. But corporately, you can go all the way down to the student athlete.
3: I know that this is obviously early on, but you mentioned some stories that have already come out of this. Is there a great story that just really sticks out to you that has helped with NIL and Mizzou and a player?
6: Yeah. I mean, I think, well, there's a lot of stories that happen often uh, around Mizzou, but, you know, it's interesting. I I think the the truth is, is that our coaches do a great job of communicating that, hey, you're come to play for the school first, right? Mm -hmm. You represent the name on your jersey first. And we don't really talk about NIL opportunities with kids until they're on campus. You know, Missouri law, that's really the way it's written is that they need to have their letter of intent signed and be enrolled on campus. And so we have that. But a lot of the kids, and we just had uh, a couple basketball players in, in our office last week, and we were having a conversation about what does the upcoming year look like? They just finished. And so we were talking through, and, you know, one of them stood up. And, and I, I just said, hey, how does that sound to you, like what we're looking at for 23 on the NIL opportunities that we think we can create? And he stood up and he said, you know what? He said, I came here to play basketball. And that's what's most important to me. I'm just grateful for anything. Oh, that's cool. And, mm-hmm. and it was really neat to hear that because it wasn't necessarily uh, he didn't have to say that, you know, he could have said, well, you know, I think I'm worth this or I think I'm worth that. And I think that's what you hear on the stories that I mm-hmm. reference. Um, but I think the our coaches do a great job of of you know, keeping the culture and the programs the way it should be.
2: Nick, how is fundraising going and how can an individual or a business that's listening now and is invested emotionally in the University of Missouri, how can they get involved?
6: Yeah, I think fundraising is going great. I think we're right now, uh, you can visit EveryTrueTiger.org. You can find out everything you need to know about NIL. You can, you know, take a deeper look into some of this conversation. You can go certainly deeper in uh, being involved and becoming a part of what we're doing and selecting Programs going on, you can contribute on a monthly basis. You can go mm-hmm. through and say, "Hey, I want to give ten dollars a month." You know, you can even start there. This is not something that you know is going to be run by five donors. This is something that's going to be run by every Mizzou stakeholder, from ten dollars a month to one-time donations. You can make it, and you can visit that. And then
2: that. the other question I had is about the, the the five-star athlete that's out there. Obviously, you'd prefer that athletes go through the collective but there are going to be situations where a booster or somebody that's invested is going to have a, an athlete that's going to take advantage of nil opportunities that aren't within the collective
6: right that's right how, how
2: do you feel about that
6: is great. that okay we feel great about it we we would encourage we we don't want it to be an exclusive route to us Uh, We also, we want to encourage the student athletes to take advantage of those opportunities. You know, as a student athlete, you know, we care about the kid first and we want them to maximize their NIL. Now we want to be there to help them. We want to give them advice on how they can manage their finances, understand their tax situation. All these things are really important, you know that that we want to do. And so, if they can go and create opportunities elsewhere, we're 100% supportive.
4: You hit the nail on the head. That was going to be my next question because I know coaches can no longer assist with players, but you got guys making money that they have to pay taxes on. So that falls into your job to help them understand paying taxes, right. understanding how to manage that money, and how not to, you know, blow twenty thousand dollars that that they may get here <laughs> and not be able to spend anything later on in, in yeah, the process. I
6: mean, and that's a. I'm I'm glad you brought it up i'm glad we kind of landed on this topic because it's really important so when every student athlete signs a contract with us we give them what we call the ETTF playbook mm-hmm. it's about a six page document it's very simple but it's something that they can read they can take home to mom and dad they can if they have representation they can give it to them as well but it, it really outlines here's what nil is here's how it involves me here's what a 1099 contracted employee this is what mm-hmm. it means and you need to be prepared for your tax situation and get, you know, some financial guidance. And Bud Sasser on our staff, that's really his, you know, key thing. And Bud's a second year law student, has a passion for uh, for helping these student athletes out. And Bud's always saying and reminding them, hey, did you get your tax forms in? Yeah. You know, make sure you check the mail, because it is important. As a 1099 employee, that tax bill comes one time at the end of the year. So we always tell them, look, make sure you set aside a portion of every paycheck and just set it there and leave it there because you're going to need it. Mm -hmm. Nick Garner, the Chief Executive Officer of Every True
2: Tiger Foundation. You can find more at EveryTrueTiger.org. Thanks for stopping by. By the way, thanks for taking care of my buddy, Kenny Dubinsky, too. Uh, Ken's the best. (laughs) He's he's fantastic. He's he's great. And uh, enjoy your day here in town. I know you're going to be busy, so thanks for stopping by. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Nick Garner from Every True Tiger. And if you'd like to get involved with NIL with Mizzou, go to EveryTrueTiger.org. We've got rock and roll coming up next on 101 ESPN. You're back
0: to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN.
1: Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.
0: Let's rock. Let's rock today.
2: It is time for rock and roll. And here is Matthew Rock EO.
7: Tonight, uh, 9 p.m. here Central Time, the Timberwolves and the Lakers will face off in the 7th and 8th place play-in game in the NBA's Western Conference. The Timberwolves are, without a doubt, going to be without the services of Jaden McDaniels as he has broken his hand, Mm -hmm. but... By choice, they will also be without a man they traded four first-round picks for just a year ago. And Rudy Gobert, he is suspended for the game by the team for punching Kyle Anderson. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski sent out a tweet, and he's basically saying that they understand that it wasn't that hard of a punch, and they do understand that Kyle Anderson was calling him a expletive repeatedly but they still felt the need for this. When it comes to a playoff game for a team that needs any win they can, considering they trade away their entire future, do you like the move here by the Timberwolves? So this move isn't made
4: unless they think that they are better without Rudy Gobert. If he's on the court or on the bench, you got to play him. But if he's not, you got a better chance of winning. So my assumption would be that they feel like they are a better team better suited to play against this Los Angeles Lakers team without Rudy Gobert on their, on their bench and on their court. That, that would be the only reason why you, you, you suspend him for a game because, as I told you all, Mike T. told uh, Antonio Brown, we're going to punish him, we won't punish us.
2: The interesting thing about this is, is that they did give up the four first-rounders. If you don't think you're better today, what makes you think you're going to be better with him next year or the year after that or the year after that?
4: There are, I've said this time and time again, there are some people that are idiots in front offices. Mm-hmm, there are. So therefore, you know, and, and you, you gave up a lot of draft capital, a
2: lot of draft picks for one Rudy Gobert. And Conley, by the way, is supposed to be like a prodigy as a GM, right? He was the guy that put together the Nuggets team that is doing what yeah. it did this year. Probably shouldn't have done that. No. And then no one else after that. Donovan Mitchell was, I guess,
4: hoping for the same type of. They Mm -hmm. were hoping for the same type of thing in the Donovan Mitchell trade, and they didn't
7: get the same thing. You should have learned with Sean McVay and the Rams. You can get maybe the first guy out out of that, like the the McVay tree, but as you go further down the tree, it's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. The guy who actually drafted Nikola Jokic with the Nuggets was Masai Ujiri, who obviously Mm -hmm. went to the Toronto Raptors and won a championship with them in short order. So you got to get the first guy, Randy. You can't get the second guy. Not great. That's, that's the mistake they made in getting the GM. It's it's a weird move. Nas Reed is healthy. He only played eleven games this year. He did average eleven points per game He's in about in twenty Warriors. minutes per game in the eleven games he played. So conceivably, only about two point difference offensively. And Rudy Gobert, not the defensive master he was oh, in past really? seasons after this year. So maybe it's not a, maybe it's not a bad move. Also, you have to think <laughs> the best way the Lakers play is with Anthony Davis at the five. The best way you then play against them is with a smaller five yourself and Carl Anthony.
4: You sound like you're coming around to the notion that Rudy Gobert may not be as good as you thought he was. Yeah,
7: I, I also have to.
4: <laughs> the facts are
7: the matter. The man's a three-time Defensive Player uh, of the Year, and
4: that doesn't mean a hill of beans. Well,
7: not in this <laughs> season, but
4: <laughs> in any season. And him is like a uh, in life know, shot in blocker life. in his career. And let me ask you this: Would they have? Would the, would the New York Knicks have sent? Has suspended Patrick Ewing for a playing game. What about Shaq? What year? Well, any year. There's Shaq. No year. There's No year. The I said
0: the Knicks, not There's the Orlando l- there, Magic. There, there is the literally.
1: Knicks. Never. There Just is, say no because the answer is no. Hold is on no. On a second. There's literally a no.
7: phenomenon in basketball called the Ewing Theory because the Knicks were better whenever he got hurt. And guess what? They wouldn't have suspended
4: him for punching John Starks in the face. For a playoff game. I guess they didn't realize they were better without him.
7: Yeah, okay.
2: They would have actually suspended Starks they for They would have suspended Starks for, for putting your pet face- pet Yes. And running into Patrick's hand.
7: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Man, you're still mad. You're still- I'm still bothered you're still by angry. that. still angry. No, you're still angry about Draymond getting in trouble for punching- I oh, know. Uh, <laughs> no,
4: he, 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 he punched cool. him and knocked him out. Punching I mean, you, you punch somebody and knock him out, whatever comes after that is,
7: you know, on you. I also found this kind of surprising. The NBA releasing their season um, capacity and attendance numbers, they have officially rebounded from COVID. They've passed over. Pretty much every number they set in the 2018-2019 season, the most sellouts, the highest capacity, the highest percentage capacity, the biggest um, single games they've ever had. Considering all we ever hear about from people who are not NBA fans is the death of the league and how the the, the style nowadays and how people sitting out is going to stop fans from coming, Apparently not so much, as the NBA has completely rebounded from COVID.
2: Yeah, I, I'll say that they're doing all right.
7: I think they're doing pretty good, and honestly, it's it's impressive that a league's able to do that. The ratings aren't still the, the greatest thing in the world, but the fact that you're able to, with all the myriad of people, again, you don't know if when you get a ticket, are you going to be able to watch the stars that are visiting, for them to keep selling like that, I think it's a good sign for the league, and may, is- maybe the ratings aren't the only thing to look at.
2: That's a good point. Uh, Matthew, great job today. That's our producer-engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio.
7: Randy, before we go, though, we do have to give away a pair of Blues tickets. Much like we did yesterday, we got a pair of Blues tickets for Blues the Dallas Stars hockey. versus
2: the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, you, know, you can win a pair to the final home game of the season. Blues will welcome Dallas to town tomorrow night, and 101 ESPN wants to send you to the game. Text 314 399 9646 and answer this trivia question for your chance to score a pair of tickets to the Blues' final home game of the season.
7: When the Blues and the Stars faced off in the 2018-2019 playoffs, which Blue scored the clinching the series clinching goal? When the Blues and the Stars faced off in the 2019 playoffs, which Blue scored the series clinching goal? We'll Blues and Stars. Blues and Stars. 2019. We'll call it. Uh, we'll call it. Text thirty for the win on that one.
2: Okay, that'll be good. Great. Uh, wonderful job today, by. The one the only Brooke Grimsley who's wearing the Demon cap today.
3: It is a Demun oh, cap a day. Cap. Yep. And the I I know, every day I try to switch it up on you guys because you guys, you you guys got notice like the caps. 50 hats. Yeah, I'm yeah, not I Can you count of how hats. many
7: can you count and let us know how many hats you have?
3: A lot. I can't wait for the, ca- wait for
7: the camera so that everyone can see like Brooke uh, just showing out with the hat game. Yeah. It's Lots a lot. of caps.
2: I, I have a lot of caps too. I wear them for golf. <laughs> but one time I had like six hundred caps. Now I only have like two hundred. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Do you have them organized like you used to? No, I don't. They're up in my closet all over the place. CD, this was fun. Man. Hey, we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right.
0: You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN,
1: presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.